Square Man, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Joe's Sports Time. We're Joe's here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, Bryson Stricker and Bleacher Report is going to stop by. We will look at the best bets to make this weekend. And uh, Bryson, being a KU guy, you know we're going to talk some Kansas football, take a look around the Big 12 Conference when he joins us coming up later on. Plus, Coach Bo with the football fix. Our weekly picks against the spread. Uh, we'll also have Tom Fullery, big football breakdown, and more. Uh, look around the NFL in just a bit uh, here on today's show. Thomas Bridges is here with me, and we mentioned we have so much to talk about. And one of the things I got to hit off the top, Tom, is the the NFL dating rumors that have occurred over these last. A uh, few days are, are pretty juicy. Uh, we've heard about this idea of Travis Kelsey and T Swift, and the two of them are hanging out, and it was confirmed by Jason Kelsey. And then, uh, you know, there's rumblings now that OBJ and Kim Kardashian potentially might be an item that they're uh, hanging out of some sorts. I-, I was thinking about it this way. Uh, you know, a couple things to take away. Kim, Kim K going with uh, with OBJ. That's probably more her vibe compared to the Tim, the the Tom Brady rumors. That that makes sense. Um, but like, if we're doing T Swift versus Kim K, you know, if it if this is a, an old fashioned game of marry F kill, like you got to marry Swifty and, and and F Kim K in this case. Like that's that that's the 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 obvious call here, right? Maybe I'm going to get canceled for even mentioning this, but. Like, that's got to be the move here. I mean, yeah, listen, Taylor Swift doesn't have any kids. Um, Kim Kardashian has a couple with a crazy baby daddy. Um, you know, you don't really want to get into the baby daddy, uh, you know, sideshow of that. Um, you know, Taylor Swift, granted, you know, well, you know how much I like John Mayer. Uh, you know how much the Swifties hate John Mayer. I think that is a. I think Taylor Swift probably listens to John Mayer still. I think that's just more of a shtick. Um, you think for, John listens to that song, Dear John, every now and then? Uh maybe maybe he rolls a joint and <laughs> smokes it to that song just as a joke, like "God, dear John, <laughs> see it all now that you're gone." As he just gets high in his house, I mean, probably. I, I can't you know, wait Kim to hear Karda- what this- I, Kim Kardashian would be a better lay for sure. I'd imagine. I wish I. That sounds terrible. I'm gonna go to. I'm. I'm gonna get a uh, uh, hit piece wrote on me, kind of like Dave Portnoy did today. Um, I, Tom, I, I would say this. I, uh, I, I wish nothing but the best for Travis and and, and T Swift, but. I'm not gonna lie. I can't wait to hear the the Travis Kelsey song down the road. Yeah, is it gonna be a Taylor Swift rap song? I mean, you know, like Travis Kelsey's got that he's got that vibe to him. But I'll tell you what, I did see some other stuff that um, a maybe an OU tight end that doesn't really. I haven't heard his name before. I'll have to see if I can find the tweet. We'll talk about more on my Twitter later, but um, I'll have to see if I can find the tweet. But there was a confirmation that an OU football player and Taylor Swift were talking. So maybe she's got a thing for uh, buzz cut tight ends. (laughs) 
you know, maybe maybe that's her new bad boy shtick. Um, which I mean, good for her. I mean, she's, you know, she's um, I, the one person Taylor Swift hasn't dated that I thought she would probably date by now because as popular as he is, who's the uh, what's what's the uh, low key comedian actor that Kim Kardashian dated? Uh, Pete Davidson. Yeah, Pete Davidson hadn't gone on the Taylor Swift train. Right. Not that I know of. I mean, you know, hey, listen, we're not Newsweek or the New York Post, but we still love a good uh, little celeb gossip in the dating scene, especially oh, if Travis Kelsey's on board. I so mean, he's I posted on is, my is Twitter. Is he America's sweetheart? Like America's football sweetheart? Might be. Uh, I like Travis. Great guy. Uh, I do. He, if he had a hot daughter that was of age, then sure. If I wasn't a Chiefs fan, I would still love Travis Kelsey. Uh, I, I love Travis Kelsey. I'm a Rams fan. Um, now, as far as on the OBJ side of things, him and Kim Kardashian, and that makes a lot more sense than Kim K and, and Tom Brady does. Like, Brady, you, you, you should be with, you know, people like Giselle and you know, that elite class. Like, Kim Kardashian is a billionaire and, you know, super hot and all that, but, like, she's trapped, I mean, you know, like... I don't know. Tim Tom Brady's never had an ass like that, and I will say, as much as people love to hate on Kim Kardashian, she's doing a lot of good things for, like, prison reform. I can respect that. Right. She, I mean, she's doing a lot more but, than... With that said... Well, some uh, other people. With that said... uh I took to uh, the social media platform X, which Tom doesn't wouldn't know about. Um, that's another tease for later in the show. And I asked the folks today, Tom, I said, with the rumblings out there, Kim Kardashian and OBJ, uh, do you like this pairing? If you do, reply, uh for for yes, reply OBJ. For no, reply no BJ. I thought that was very fitting for both sides involved here. Of of a way to ask this question is OBJ for yes, no BJ for no. I mean, can they be together and him still get a a no B? A- he, can he get the can he get the BJ <laughs> with them not being together? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. If if there's rumblings about it, OBJ probably has hit. <laughs> I mean, maybe not, but I feel like if you got the money and the status and the power, and OBJ is kind of just a mogul type guy anyway, like. Has OBJ just already hit? Like, I don't think OBJ, to my knowledge, does not have any kids. Uh, he does have kids, and he's recently divorced. Oh, well, see, I'll be damned. See, I'm I'm a sports guy, not a Newsweek, not an NY Post guy. So, all right, so I'm removed from that. But he doesn't look like the guy that's, like, going to take on. Like, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You get. Even if you have kids, if you're a single dad gets with a single mom, one of the first things that probably happens, and I'm not a single dad, but I've been with a single mom 
So you have to take the good with the bad kind of there. But at the same time, you identify some of the baggage. And I'm like, okay, is her baby daddy fucking crazy? Am I going to have to deal with that? And then you outweigh, you know, you you weigh those options and say, do I want to pursue this? Is this still cool? And if it is, fine. But if you have someone that is like the black Alex Jones as your baby daddy, (laughs) probably don't want to go that route. I mean, Kanye's, I mean, granted, though, we want to talk about celebrity gossip and getting a no BJ. (laughs) Kanye just got caught in Italy getting a BJ on one of those Venice boats and got kicked off the boat and it got caught on camera. Some old girl was... Uh, you know, I don't know the Italian word for head, but well, he was getting some head on a boat. Well, he might uh, be perfect for a Lauren, Lauren Bobert then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, is that, uh, can you imagine she, that collab? She's, really, she's single now. Apparently she said that was uh, her first date with that one guy and she's uh, looking for other options now. So uh, there you go, Kanye. Uh, call up Lauren Bobert potentially. Um, but yeah, what a start to the show uh, already. As uh, Oh, man, we mentioned the whole Hollywood, hadn't we? We, we went through all the tabloids, uh, brought it to the people, for the people. That's what this show does. What would you call us instead of TMZ? TT, uh, I don't know, TTZ, Tom Tyler Z? Yeah, something like that. Um, you know, I like... I, I, find that stuff very entertaining uh, as much as I hate to admit. Uh, that's the stuff. We need we need a Perez Hilton for the show. Perez Hilton. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. Uh, with that, we'll move on to actual stuff going on, which isn't quite as uh, fun or entertaining. Let's go around the NFL uh, with uh, some of the uh, top headlines uh, going on in the National Football League leading into this week. Week number three in the NFL starts tonight with the Giants and the 49ers. Um, Saquon Barkley out. Giants are lucky to be 1-1. One one. The Niners are so good at 2-0 and right now. Tom, um, I got to tell you, I'm so disappointed in the Giants. They can still turn it around, but I expected a whole lot more at this Giants team and – I am not thinking tonight's going to be very pretty. Them going to San Francisco without Saquon here. Oh, no. Yeah, it's not going to be very pretty. And, you know, the Rams almost got the best of the 49ers. Um, But I guess are we, we're picking this game later, but it's on the docket this week. I mean, this is – is this the lock, 10 and a half? Um, I won't give away my pick, but there there is a sneaky suspicion, Tom, where I could see a scenario where the Niners dominate this game, maybe even pull their starters, and the Giants get that nasty backdoor cover, even though they got their ass beat. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that maybe. Um my boy Brock Purdy looks really good again. Uh Niners look like such a complete team right now. I'll I would not want to play San Francisco uh, at this point because they, they they got to figure it out. That was a nice win they had last week against the Rams. I mean, yeah, they did pull it out. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey uh, looking real good. He's the NFL rushing leader by a, a pretty good margin. Um, 
other stuff going on this week. Uh, Ravens and uh, Colts are playing. And uh, the Ravens look red hot. Lamar's looking really good right now. I know that they're very banged up on that Ravens team um, with some of the injuries they've dealt with. Mark Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams, uh, Tyler Linderbaum, and, and company. But look at Lamar right now, Tom. His completion percentage is like around 73%, second highest in the league, best of his entire career. And Todd Munkin really has something figured out, getting the most out of Lamar Jackson. He looks like a natural fit in that offense. And you look at Munkin's offense at Georgia, what he did at Oklahoma State and other places, um, it makes total sense how he could, you know, he's a smart enough guy to play to Lamar Jackson's strength. So far, it looks like it's paying off. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, with the Bengals not being so great, the Steelers have kind of impressed. Granted, Dobbins went down. Ravens starting out pretty good. I think they're a sneaky good team to potentially end up in the AFC Championship. Ooh, Dark Horse, yeah, I could see maybe. I, um, I think we could see the Ravens. Playing in the AFC Championship against the Bills or Chiefs, either one. I mean, I did pick Bills to go, so, um, yeah, yeah. Is I mean, so they lose Dobbins, but we kind of knew like quarterbacks go to die in Cleveland, running backs go to die in Baltimore. Right. You bring it. Gus Edwards becomes the number one back, and you just brought back Kenyon Drake as well. You got Melvin Gordon, Justice, Justice Hill. Hill. It's a decent backfield. It's enough to get by. And you got the best running back in the league in Lamar Jackson. So, yeah. I mean, you say running back by committee, it's more like running back by um, name another large group of people because um, their running back room, they already know, has to be deep because this is what happens in Baltimore. But, right. you know, you might not be wrong. I think the defense is, is decent and, um, I think, and you're right. It's time to put up or shut up for the Ravens, though. Yeah, they're two and zero. I think they're going to be fine against Indy. Uh, the Browns are playing the Titans. Browns lose on Monday night. Deshaun Watson looked terrible. He hasn't played well uh, since he came back. Uh, Tom, I'm done with Deshaun Watson. I, I think it is a lost cause. I think he is on the Russell Wilson. Uh, island of bad quarterbacks that should be in their prime. Uh, I, I'm I'm selling Deshaun Watson. Are, are you done with Deshaun Watson too? Well, after he didn't get the job done and I lost by point six points in fantasy, yeah, I'm done. I put him on the bench and end up starting Matt Stafford all along. I should have done it. Um, never been like I said. What I just say the. Quarterbacks go to to Cleveland to die. It's a uh, my you know you can call them the hospice Browns. I yeah. mean that's where the quarterbacks go to die, baby. I mean, you know what that that one guy had the jersey with like all the quarterbacks from had like Tim Couch and everybody on it. Right. Um, you can add Watson to that. I think we kind of all guessed that that would be the case, but. Oh, and then the Steelers' defense isn't bad, but golly, he looked horrible on Monday night. Yeah, 
a pick six and a strip sack for his touchdown. Like he looked horrible. Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, the Dolphins are squared off against the Broncos this week. Dolphins look really good. That offense is explosive. Two is playing well, but I, I feel like we, we we always mention this is a week to week league. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna buy stock in the Dolphins until like Tua can stay healthy. Like I. I I feel like almost, I know it sounds bad to say, but we've already been canceled enough on this show as is. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like two is kind of a ticking time bomb? Like, okay, Dolphins look cool. That's great. But, like, let's check back week 10 and see if he's still playing. I mean, yeah, it only takes one. I mean, RIP Nick Chubb, we saw what happened to him. Um, and it. I feel like that same thing happened to Tua's head like three times last season. All right. Um, meanwhile, the uh, Patriots and the Jets, um, Tom, I'll, I'll go on record. I'll say it. Uh, if the Patriots don't make the playoffs, Belichick will not be back next season in New England. Uh, Wait a second. Do you think he's okay? Clarify, resign or hang it up or get fired. Some one of those three. I don't know what it is. Oh my God. I can't say he's. Th- I feel like he's Popovich at this point. You can't fire him like you had all those good years. You got to let him run it out as long as he wants. I mean, as nice as it sounds, when Brady got a, a ring in Tampa and the Patriots have one playoff appearance since, that leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Uh, shout out OBJ. Um, you know, I, mean, I can't believe I said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it leaves a bad taste. And I, I think if they don't find a way to get in the postseason, they, they hit the reset button. Uh, they they should beat the Jets. They've won 14 straight against the Jets. Uh, Jets played Zach Wilson and everything here. This is a must-win game for the Patriots. Their season's on the line here. I mean, yeah. I mean, what we talked about last season that we were like unsure if Mac Jones was the guy. Max played fine. Everyone, everyone else has struggled. That offensive line's horrible. I mean, and I'll tell you what, Hunter Henry has been playing pretty good. It yeah. seems like it could be a Mac Jones favorite a little bit, but they just don't have the guys that did when Brady was there. Or maybe, obviously, Brady made those guys look good. I just. I don't know if it's the end of – I think – I don't know. I think if whatever happens in New England is going to happen, I think New England's going to miss the playoffs. I think they're the third best team in that division at the end of the season. Um, and I think they'll miss it. I just think – I mean, Belichick, I don't know how old he is. I would guarantee he's probably – I'm going to guess Belichick is 71. And um, I think maybe he knows that he can't get – like who? I mean, someone might hire Belichick, but like, are they really gonna? You were spot on, by the way. He is seventy-one. April sixteenth, nineteen fifty-two. I just had to look it up. I was thinking he was either between sixty-eight and seventy-four. Look at that. The quick trip identification is still paying off for me. Um. Yeah, I don't. I just. I I could see him resigning or being like, "Okay, I'm over this shit." 
He's had that. He's had that. I'm over this shit face for like what fifteen years. Right. I mean, any day now, he's ready to make more subway commercials and do the TV thing. He's actually really good on TV, as much as he hates the media, which is. That would be, he would be, I would love to see him doing some analysis. You know, he, that NFL 100 series on the NFL network a couple of years ago when they ranked the top 100 players of all time, it was him, Rich Eisen, and Chris Collinsworth. And he won an Emmy for his work as an analyst. Uh, and really, yeah, he was that good just for doing, and he knew, he knows the history of the game. That's a big part of that show was the history of it. But, yeah, like he's got a TV job waiting for him when he's done. Um, I mean, yeah, that would be great. I would love to see that, actually. Uh, Bills and Commanders. Bills got back on track last week. Um, Josh Allen's got to do a better job taking care of the football. If they do that, the Bills team's going to be okay. The Commanders are interesting to me, Tom. They're 2-0. and The offense looks good. Sam Howell is playing well. And who is their offensive coordinator? Eric Bieniemy. And we heard the rumblings that the enemy uh, was ruffling some feathers, no pun intended, with the commanders. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, some people were upset with how he was running things in that offense. It wasn't necessarily a player's coach. But if the offense is going well and Sam Al looks good, uh, Eric Bienemy is doing his job. And if he keeps this up, he's going to get that chance to be a head coach next year. I mean, what do they say? Winning solves everything. Right. Realistically, though, realistically, in that division, obviously the Giants are trash. Right. If I think for the Commanders with Sam Howell at quarterback in this early in the development with the enemy there, if the Commanders finish somehow finish second, that's their Super Bowl. They're not finishing first. The Cowboys look way too good. The Eagles have been, in my opinion, not as impressive as they should be coming off that Super Bowl when they should have won that because they were the better team. Not better coach, but they were the better team. Not coming off so hot. Still only two games so far in the season. But, damn it, if the Commanders can get somehow second in the NFC East and have a wild card spot, uh, you know, Commanders, I don't well, – you can give them uh, most improved – player or coach or whatever you want at that point. That would be an incredible story. Uh, some other notable games this week. The Falcons play the Lions. Falcons off to a good start at 2-0. and uh, B. John Robinson looks fantastic. Uh, meanwhile, Detroit at 1-1, one and one, losing a heartbreaker at home last week in overtime to Seattle. Uh, both these teams are on the rise. They are on the up and up. And uh, I'll say this, Tom. I'll, I'll, I'll put this out there. Winner of this Falcons Lions game, I think is going to make the playoffs. I believe it. I think not. Not I saying that you... either one of them will that the loser <laughs> leaves town. I mean, the other could still make it, but I, I'll say I'll always go as far to say the winner of this is a playoff lock. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, Seattle obviously is a tough division, um, but you know, for the Falcons, they have the Saints two and zero. Falcons are two and zero. The Buccaneers are two and zero. The South is kind of shaping up a little bit differently than I considered. Um, I kind of can agree with you that. And in low key, Jones, I haven't fully delved into the slate of the week, but I think this could be maybe has shades of game of the week. Falcons, Lions, yeah. Um, like in terms of just competitiveness and like 
close. Two very evenly good. matched teams, good offenses. Um, what Desmond Ritter is going to show up? That's the million-dollar question. Um, some other notable games around the uh, NFL. We mentioned the Seahawks. Uh, they're playing the Panthers. Panthers are bad. <laughs> I mean, did not look good at all. Uh, that was a disgrace that they got to play Monday Night Football the other night. That that was uh, – I mean – Poor Chris Fowler was trying to convince us that Saints-Panthers was such an exciting game uh, on the TV broadcast the other night. But Seattle, nice turnaround after a awful performance against the Rams. Now you play this Panthers team, and you're a little short-handed. You don't have Rick Wallen, uh, more than likely. <laughs> Adams isn't quite back just yet. Um, I, I think this could be the – the statement game for the Seahawks that they're not messing around. Don't don't let. There's no reason why you they should let Carolina hang around in this game. No, and you know you mentioned they were missing some people, but I mean Carolina's bad, brother. So yeah, uh, I mean this is Pete Carroll needs to turn on the Jets and and be done with this by the end of the third quarter. Um. Chargers and Vikings, both teams are 0-2. Both teams had playoff aspirations. Um, and they both will likely miss the playoffs uh, just based on starting 0-2 as is. Uh, with that said, the Vikings made some aggressive moves this week. You bring in uh, you know, Cam Akers. You bring in Dalton Reisner. Um, I, I think not only are these coaches uh, you know, trying to keep their seasons alive, but Brandon Staley and Kevin O'Connell could be coaching for their jobs uh, here with this game and then the next couple of games ahead. Yeah, you do bring Cam Akers in. Um, not a great locker room person. Very easily gets his feelings hurt, it seems like. But Madison hasn't been good for the Vikings of late. Uh, I'll tell you what, Kirk Cousins, in terms of fantasy, has been great. Justin Jefferson hasn't been that bad at all. Well, so they what? They played the Eagles last week. Is that right? Barely. Yeah. It was I thought that was an entertaining game, and I can't remember who they lost to in week one. Uh, um, they lost to uh, the, the fighting Baker Mayfields. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. Yeah, that is true, which they've been kind of a surprise. I think the Vikings should – well, you look at it. The Bears – are horrible and if you saw the Justin Fields comments about the coaching then that's a whole nother story but Green Bay in that division looked good week one last week didn't look so hot I don't think the Vikings are completely out of that division just yet but it is an important game that they could they could go a long way winning this week yeah certainly certainly uh, a few more games and storylines to talk about this week um, Tom the Cowboys face the Cardinals we know the Cardinals are awful. Uh, they've made things interesting the last couple of weeks with the Giants and the Commies. Had a chance to win those both both those games, actually. With that said, uh, this should be a bloodbath. Uh, right now, through two weeks, at this moment, and things could change, but at this very moment in time, the best team in the National Football League, as much as it pains me to say, Tom, mm. best team through two weeks right now is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, their defense looks phenomenal. Micah Parsons is playing a high level. The offense is scoring. They're running the football well. Dak's not making mistakes. McCarthy is doing a really good job with the play calling. 
Root two weeks, very early, small sample size. Dallas is the best team in the NFL at this very moment, I think. I mean, my Super Bowl pick's looking pretty damn good. Yes. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Um, and then you mentioned the Bears playing the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs have some stuff to work through, but I think everybody feels like, hey, the Chiefs will figure it out. Um, I'm, I'm not concerned about the Chiefs and you know their, their trajectory. But the Bears situation, Fields doesn't look good. Coaching staff's a disaster. You just had your defensive coordinator resign, and there's all sorts of stuff going on there potentially, uh, you know, uh, beyond the walls of the football field here. The Bears are always going to find a way to bear somehow and, and just be a dumpster fire of an organization. And, you know, the, the thing about it too, Tom, this was supposed to be a year they took a step in the right direction. Like with all they invested in with draft capital and with the money they spent and Justin Fields expect to take that next step. Um, I would say nobody's a more disappointing team than the Chicago Bears right now. No, I agree. And I saw some other like Instagram account or whatever post that the Bears right now are very much regretting them trading away their first round pick. And I agree. And, you know, that being said, if, you know, the Cardinals, the other shit team of the NFL, I think it right now it's the Cardinals and the Bears for the number one pick. It's the tank for Caleb, you know. Round and he's not even guaranteed to leave necessarily. But if he was to, I mean, if the Bears have a chance at Caleb Williams come April, do they do they move on from Justin Fields? I mean, I sent you that comment today. If, if you didn't see it, folks listening out there, um, a reporter made a comment to Justin Fields about how he was kind of playing robotic, and he said he agreed. And they said, "Well, why do you think that is?" And he goes, "The coaching." So, a um, little bit of Brian Windhorse air quotes. What's going on in Chicago? Um, if they have a chance to take Caleb Williams, are they moving on from Caleb? Or they are? Are they have a chance to take Caleb Williams? Are they moving on from Justin Fields? Is it a coaching problem or is it Justin Fields' problem? I lean towards coaching. I do agree with Justin Fields, but is I? I mean, some of the things. Some of the problems you just can't fix with the players on the field. A lot of it's talent, but a lot of it's coaching. Yeah, culture and coaching. Yeah. Um, if Fields plays like this, they will find a new quarterback next year if he doesn't turn it around. Like they will. It's Caleb Williams, Drake May. Uh, I mean, this. Is what do you th- What do you think they could get for him right now if they were if they said let's just go ahead and trade Justin Fields? At this moment, uh, I mean, what, maybe a fourth, fifth round pick? I mean, oh, so oh. Um, based on the way he's played right now, yeah, there's not a whole that's lot. Fair. That's, that's fair, yeah. Um, but, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks next year, and, and here's where I would disagree when you said they regret not taking Bryce Young at one and getting the picks that they got, you know, getting DJ Moore, drafting Darnell Wright. I don't think they regret it because, as you mentioned, of where they position themselves for next year. Fields doesn't work out. You're looking at next year's quarterback class being historically good with Caleb Williams, Drake May, 
Shador Sanders, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix Jr., uh, Bo. I'm Bo, not sure Sanders goes though. Bo Nix, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I mean, and that's just off the top of my head. That, like, that would be that would be a Bears move to take Dylan Gabriel. He's he's a Chicago Bear. I can see it now. But I mean, between I could argue that uh, Williams, May, Penix, Ewers, and Sanders, all five might have better pro potential than than Bryce Young. And Bryce Young was a pretty decent prospect in his own right. So, yes, that's fair. I can see like a Drake May. Drake May goes to Chicago, ends up being a little bit better than Mitch Trubisky. He seems like a Mitch Trubisky to me. I'm not sold on May yet, but I can – I mean, yeah, we're, you're – Wearing that right. number 10 from North Carolina and going to a Chicago, I'm sure would make people feel very good uh, <laughs> about that. But anyways, that's enough about the Chicago Bears. Uh, we can check back on the Bears. Probably, probably the most we'll talk about them for the rest of the season. Yeah, we can check back on them in November when their season's fall. <laughs> um, and then uh, some of the other uh, stuff that catches my attention. Uh, Eagles Bucks. We'll pick that game coming up later. Baker playing really good. Eagles, uh, I don't think have hit their stride yet, and they've played good the last couple of weeks, but they haven't played great. Um, I'm very intrigued by this game because this is this is the first test time to see how good Baker really has been because. You know, they've gotten two wins, and he's played good these first two weeks. But now that we know more about the Vikings and the Bears, you got the two wins against bad teams. This is Baker's first real big test on Monday night. Uh, Mike Mike Evans looks good. Mike Evans looks real good. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm I'm shocked at the Bucs so far. Um, And then Rams-Bengals. I know you're very intrigued with that game. Joe Burrow and company, uh, you know, their their season's on the line at this point. Uh, they've lost two divisional games. The Rams are one and one, had a great win against Seattle. Uh, and then last week was very competitive with the uh the Niners there, close game. Um th- this is a a huge opportunity for the Rams to basically just end the Bengals season right here. Well, not only that, I think it's a opportunity for the Rams to kind of bounce back, even you know from last season. Let them let people know they're not playing around. I mean, Burrow's ankles hurt. I like to see the Rams blitz him all night. And if the weather's not bad, Stafford Stafford looks like a a brand new man. Um, and you know, color me shocked because uh, Puka Nakua the Rams is saving things right now. There's no Cooper Cup, at least until week four. Uh, I mean, the Rams are – the offense looks really good. Defense needs some work. But, yeah, I mean, you're right about the Bengals. They're in a they're in a tough spot where, hey, this is put up or shut up time. Are they, are they going to pack it in for the season after three in a row losing? Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll shift gears. Our habitual breakdown is next. More NFL conversation coming up with uh, Bryson Stricker joins us. Uh, Coach Bogan stop by as well. Uh, we'll dive back into the uh, pro football discussion later. Right now, though, time for the Big 12 breakdown. Bob Bridge is here with you with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 conference. And we start out each week with our hot takes. And 
Tom, my hot take this week. Uh, it's so spicy that I just got to go ahead and get off my chest. And then, then I'll hand things over to you to give your hot take this week. Um, I was impressed with, with BYU uh, and the way they played against Arkansas last week. I did and, call it. I'm not just saying this because they're facing my team this week. So don't take this the wrong way, folks. But as as big of a deal as it was, there was something fluky about that win against Arkansas. I felt like Arkansas lost that game more than BYU won that game. BYU, everybody's going to be hitting the hype train like, okay, look, you know, they just beat an SEC team on the road. Now they're going to have the Big 12 play, and they're going to be the sneaky pick, you know, the darlings of sorts. Like, watch out for BYU now. Um, I, I think that BYU is going to have a solid season, but, like, let's not overreact to one game that Arkansas lost that game more than BYU won it, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Nice win, sure, but I'm not buying BYU because of that one performance there. I, I think that they have a whole lot more to prove, and I, I would I would basically call last week a, a, a fluke. Uh, is that is that respect? Is that fair to say? Mm, you know, I can see that. I can see that. Um, I will have to defend a team that I don't like and BYU because I did say last week. I think BYU will beat Arkansas, and they did. That's one of my better picks all year. Probably will be. BYU plays in Lawrence. They don't get the Provo hope. They did play in Fayville and got the job done. Um, I think BYU, I think maybe a little bit of a hangover for them. I do like KU in this. The line I'm looking at, KU 8.5, a half, little high for me. A little high for me. This is not – I don't think this is a game on the radar for us, but if I had to pick this game, KU wins but does not cover eight and a half. Um, We have some more insights on this from uh, Bryson Stricker, kind of explaining why the line is what it is in this game. You'll be very intrigued by that when we hear from him in just a moment. Tom, uh, your Big 12 hot take this week is – so last week I delved the first two weeks I said OSU hot takes and they won both games. I delved away last week and I can't even remember because I was so upset. I was and I'll tell everybody this now. I was so upset about OSU shitting the bed last week that I got suspended from Twitter. Um and a little ashamed, but you know, if if uh if I become a if, if Casey Dunn gets fired from OSU and I become a martyr because of it, then I am I am down to go as a martyr uh, for Oklahoma State for the betterment of Oklahoma State offense. Um, but more to come on that later because things just changed. Jones, I don't know if you got my text. I did. But things just things just changed on that. We've got some redemption. But um, hot take this week. I'm going to go back to Oklahoma State, and I have no shame in saying this. Oklahoma State has always gone to die in Ames, Iowa. Hopes OSU football hopes have always gone to die in Ames, Iowa. And they're going to die again. Um, Iowa State is not a good football team. They don't look very impressive at all. Uh, they've shown me nothing that gives me any hope in them actually even being a bowl 
bound team. I think Iowa State and Jack Tri Stadium this week beats Oklahoma State. And for what it's worth, I think they win by 10 or more points. And maybe by the grace of God, um, Gundy or Dunn or Charlie Dickey or somebody's job gets called into question. Is that that much of a hot take? I think the most hot take thing is them winning by 10 or more because I've seen people joke around that Iowa State's going to win this game 3-2. to two. Uh, That would also not shock me. But I will say hot take. Um, hot take, Iowa State wins by double digits. And hot take, this is the game that gets Casey Dunn fired. So That's my hot take. Uh, I think both of these teams are bad. Uh, OSU. They're Apple. horrible. Um, Barn burner of the week. Yeah. I don't I, I mean, you might be playing quarterback for Oklahoma State next. Uh, this <laughs> I'd move back to Oklahoma for that. I'd pay to watch that. Um, that'd be, that'd be great content, wouldn't it? And, and, and the other part about this, about both these teams and why, you know, they are where they are. I mean, it's it's twofold, Tom. And for one, neither one have a quarterback, um, first and foremost. But two, coaching. Like, I, I think that we've seen where uh, it's the same problem for both these teams here that we're talking about. Not only just not finding a quarterback, but you have coaches that I think have topped out. I do not think that things are going to turn around for Matt Campbell at Iowa State. I don't think that things are going to turn around for uh, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. And as we've seen time and time again, it is, for some, a lot easier to build than it is to maintain success. And I think that's what you're looking at with Campbell at Iowa State and with Gundy at OSU is that they have peaked and it is downhill from here and – whether it's the NIL era or whatever you want to call it, uh, I, I I don't see OSU and Iowa State either one turning a corner. And it's crazy to think, like, Iowa State was in the Big 12 title game in 2020, and OSU was there in 2021. And the way things are going, neither one are going back anytime soon. Well, I, you know, for I think for Matt Campbell, you're right in terms of peaked i think he had his time to get out and get a good paying job and go from there and just just the talents you can reliably actually bring to a town like ames iowa and maybe some people could say the same about stillwater but and i'm obviously biased and i've never been to ames but i can tell you where i'd rather go to school at uh one has cooler jerseys one is a cooler place to be one has a little bit more swag um, and what do you one mean? Is you don't like Bush Light and Casey's Pizza? I mean, do you like Eskimo Joe's cheese fries and Stilly Wheat? I mean, like, I yes. I mean, I, I mean, don't you, get me wrong. I'm not hating on Casey. I introduced you to the Casey's Pizza. You did, um, you, and you I'm not. Like, I'm you, not. You a, eat corn. I'm not ashamed. You eat corn the long way. Clearly, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to drink a free Bush Latte either. But that being said. I don't think Gundy has necessarily peaked. I just don't think, and, and I'm not the first person to say this, I don't think Gundy gives a shit anymore. He just, for the past couple of seasons, I mean, sure, in 2021, we called for his head when Jason Taylor, the now plays for the Rams, blocked a kick in Boise, Idaho that saved 
that, and then they went on in 2021 after a bad first start to go on and, and beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, sure, that's cool, and that was awesome, um, cardiac cowboy style. But I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not the first person to say this. Gunny just doesn't look like he gives a two shits anymore. Like he's just there to fucking steal a paycheck, and I don't know why. Like I doubt he just so complacent, just does okay. Well, we're just gonna do this, I guess. And then you know he gets in the fucking press conferences and is like, "Well, you know, South Alabama, they beat us thirty-three to seven. That's a good football team." Bullshit. Right. I mean, I I think it's the same problem for both Campbell and and Gundy. You think complacent? I, I I think that they the game has passed both of them by. I don't know if it's complacency necessarily, but I do think that they are both over the hill of some sorts, past their prime as coach. Just more stubborn. He's just like he's you, say, you say complacent. Like we put Gundy uh, you know, at another school. I don't think that they're they're gonna win either. I think that he's just lost as a coach, and I think Matt Campbell, the same thing can be said. Um Yeah, maybe. Let's look at the slate. Uh, OU in Cincinnati, for some reason, is on big noon kickoff this week. Um, <laughs> Cincinnati lost Miami of Ohio uh, last <laughs> week. Oklahoma uh, ended up w- beating Tulsa or uh, 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 Tula, uh, based on how their fans uh, were, <laughs> were in the crowd. Yeah. Uh, they beat Tula pretty bad last week. Dylan Gabriel looked good. Oklahoma uh, looks like a very good football team, much improved from what they were last year. Uh, but with that said, Tom, we know Cincinnati, like, they got some players, and they looked good a couple weeks ago against Pitt. And, and there's some athletes. It's their first ever Big 12 game. Big Noon is there. Uh, I think this is going to be potentially similar to that SMU game where Oklahoma's talent will will ultimately prevail, but Cincinnati is going to put their best foot forward and give OU all they can handle. I think it could be just like the SMU game where it's close for three quarters and OU pulls away in the fourth. I think that's pretty accurate. I think Cincinnati is going to give them all that they can, and eh, you know, I think OU probably still wins by you know, 14, 17 points or something like that, but you mentioned the SMU game. Oh, that was a close game up until, you know, what, 12 minutes or, you know, 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Um, I'd say you're pretty accurate there. It is in Cincinnati. The skyline chili will not prevail. Um, <laughs> it's not It's not good enough to prevail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Tom Downey. Uh, it's just not going to. Not yeah, nobody's eating chili in September. If this is in December, call me. Uh, not unless it's a coney. Like we do conies in Oklahoma, um, and we do those those right. You know, like go to Coney Islander if you want chili. You know, and 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 a hot dog. Um, SMU and TCU. <laughs> TCU's favorite. SMU, not a bad team. We mentioned their only loss being to OU. TCU's one loss. Uh, to Colorado in, in that shootout to begin the season. Um, you know, it's a rivalry game. The game is in Fort Worth. TCU on paper should win. But, Tom, 
I, I get a, a very sneaky suspicion about this game. Like TCU should be should be on upset alert this week. With think about all this too. Not only uh, does SMU next year move to the ACC, and they're pretty excited about all that, and get to compete with TCU finally head to head when it comes recruiting wise, uh, both being at Power Five conferences, but. TCU has already said they're they're not renewing the football series with SMU. They want to go their separate ways. They don't feel it's worth their time playing SMU anymore. Um, I, I think SMU, this, this is one they want badly. This is a chance to make a statement to the rest of the country if they beat TCU. Similar to what Colorado did with TCU a couple weeks ago. Uh, very similar circumstance. I mean, battle for the Dallas Metro. Here's, here's the deal. I think SMU can do it. TCU favored by six and a half. Yeah. You know, it is an early game, you know, and TCU. How far are those campuses away? Like probably 35, 40 minutes. Yeah, I mean, and there's going to be a lot of alumni, you know, on hand. It's going to be – this is like the, uh, the JV – is it? I wouldn't call it the JV Red River Shootout, but this is a this is kind of more of a like a Pitt West Virginia game that I think could and should. I hate that they're not going to renew this, um, just because Especially the campuses with, are so close. But in Tom, I understand like you know them. If TCU said like, "Hey, we're not going to waste our time putting SMU on our platform as a Group of Five school." But with both of them being power conferences, I think they can both benefit from playing this game in the future. Yeah, and it's just it seems like a lot of fun, honestly. It's, it, yeah. it seems like a very fun matchup. And SMU maybe in previous years wasn't worth a damn. But SMU, I feel like, has got a little come up in them. Um, and this would give this would be a fun, fun game. Jones, I will probably be driving through Dallas at this point because I'm obviously moving to San Antonio this weekend. I'll probably be there about close to kickoff. And then hopefully by that time, I'll be through maybe the next big 12 game that we cover being Texas and Waco at Baylor. Hopefully I'll be out of Waco by the time that kicks. Uh, I would hope so. Cause they gave me the start till six 30. Um, the uh, Texas Baylor game there in week. I'm, I'm glad the tailgating's not worth the shit there. Right, I, I learned that the hard way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Texas at Baylor, um, Texas three and zero, top three ranking in the country, but not any decisive wins yet. We know Baylor's not very good. Tom, uh, this should be Texas's moment, right? If if they're going to have a decisive win, like now is the time to do it right here against Baylor, I would think. It should be go. It should be an ass whoop. Yeah. Is it going? Is Sark going to be able to ass whoop Baylor? I mean, there should be a lot of Texas fans coming up from Austin. What's that drive? Uh, like two hours? Not even that. Like ninety minutes. There's, I mean. I think that game will be packed out, and I think a lot of burn orange will be in that stadium, especially considering how Baylor's played thus far. Um, should be an ass whoop, but 
we've seen these type of games before. What's the line on that game? The line I, on that game, if it's Texas favored by 15, I wouldn't hammer that. Yeah, I can see easy 17, 21 points, Texas. Yeah, I think so. Should be. Uh, Should. Tech taking on West Virginia. Tech finally got a win uh, <laughs> after uh-huh. those two heartbreaking losses. West Virginia's at two and one uh, on the season. The game is in Morgantown, which is basically the Lubbock of the East Coast. Um, <laughs> and West Virginia got a win last week against Pitt. Um, looked good. Looked very good. And they're two and one. Every time I try to get Neil Brown fired, he finds a way to live to see another day. They the Bruce have... Weber effect, baby. Oh, def- absolutely the Bruce Weber effect. The Bruce Weber football. They have, on paper, the 14th best roster in the Big 12. And they're 2-1. and one. They're at home. <laughs> I mean, I-, I would I would lean towards West Virginia here, but, like, I- I'm not – I'm not putting any faith or any trust in either one of these teams. All right. We're not picking this game as far as the pick them. Fuck it. Take me home, country roads. Let me let's go. Let's go Mountaineers. I think they get it done. Texas Tech. You know, they were the dark horses to start the season. They've shit the bed. Ride it off, baby. Give me West Virginia. Houston plays Sam Houston. Um what a I- game. I don't mean to sound like an idiot, but Sam Houston's in uh, in Houston, right? Sam Houston, is it? I thought it was a little outside of San Antonio. Uh, I'm looking right now. Because isn't there a Sam Houston State as well? No, that's the same school. They used to be Sam Houston State. Now they're Sam Houston. Uh, Sam Houston State University is located in – in Huntsville, Texas. Okay, so I'm not a dumbass. Um, Sam Houston. Sam Houston, Tom, uh, held BYU to 14 points, made that a 14 nothing game. Houston's not very good. Um, they, you know, lost to Rice, of all people. Um, and then they lost their Big 12 opener to TCU last week. Got shellacked pretty good. If, uh, if Sam Houston somehow beats Houston here, uh, then they're they're going to probably run Dana Holgerson out of town pretty quick. Yeah, he's on. He's he's close. He's got one leg out the door. It feels like. Um, UCF taking on K State. Both teams playing with backup quarterbacks. Uh, Will Howard likely out. Sounds like it might be a broken leg for him. Um, and he's had a tough time, hasn't he? Oh, he has. That game's in Manhattan. Uh, K State coming off that loss to Mizzou. I'll say this, Tom. I'm not. I'm not too worried about K State. Like they typically lose a game in September every year. Um, you know, and they traditionally you know, have a backup quarterback playing. Right. They go to a backup quarterback. They lose a game in September, and then voila, everything's okay. And then win nine or ten games. They're beating OU at this point. They OU's lucky they don't play K State this year. Well, not until and not until the Big Twelve Championship. I, I it was a non conference game. It was a weird game. Uh, they stood in their own way. Um, 
the one thing to keep an eye on, I know there's been rumblings about Chris Kleiman and Michigan State and all that. Um, does the one potential thing that would make me nervous about K State going forward? Does Chris Kleiman have one foot out the door? I don't know. I hope not. But that would be the one thing that could hinder their season. I hope he doesn't. He, I mean, I hope not. I like Chris Kleiman in the Big 12, and I like him at K-State. And I like K-State. And I'm, I'm more interested in how KU fans feel about, you know, K-State and Mizzou is like my OU Texas. Can both teams lose? No. It was kind of a thriller of a game. Mizzou won. How are you feeling as a K, KU guy? I mean, I, I root for the Big 12. Um, I would have so rather. You were, you were a little disappointed. I would have rather seen K State win that game, but part of me did have a little bit of a chuckle, though, seeing them lose <laughs> to a bad Mizzou team. Like that Mizzou team is like as good as Vanderbilt, maybe. And they, you know, to lose that game, a game they had no business losing, I, I did get a little laugh at that. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I get that. And then BYU in Kansas. We'll talk more about this one with Bryson, but. I told you earlier, I thought BYU's win was a little fluky. KU didn't play great against Nevada last week. Um, this is the perfect two-edged storm here, Tom, of Kansas, I think, wanting to make a statement, beginning Big 12 play, and BYU might be a little too overconfident coming off that win against Arkansas that they they probably should not have won. Slovis, I don't think, is that great of a quarterback. I think KU's the more talented team. They're at home. If KU plays the way they're supposed to, they should handle business in this football game. I hope they do. Um, you know, the Mormons are kind of like Dallas Cowboys fans. They're everywhere. Um, and so I'm sure they'll show up in Lawrence. I don't know if you ever had Mormon door knockers. Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, so Independence, Missouri, one of the – uh, suburbs of Kansas City has a large Mormon contingency, and this being BYU's first Big Twelve game, I've heard from my my sources or my sauces in this case, I guess. Um, <laughs> there is it is a sellout, but there is a fear there might be a large BYU contingent at this game. You say a large, a large majority, or like a large. Presence, presence. Or what? yes, a large contention, a large presence of BYU. At, at first, I thought you said a large beer, and I thought, no way. Uh, I could only hope it was a large beer for the Mormons, but um, so and it's a yeah, you know what? I think it's gonna be, you know, it's funny you say that too, large contingency for the Mormons. Um, OSU versus BYU is in Stillwater at the end of the year, that game just randomly sold out like three days ago. Um, like I said, they're like Dallas Cowboy fans. Um, you know, they're everywhere. You can never escape them. I like KU in this game. They should win, and I hope they do win. Be Not because it's against the Mormons, but because I think this would be a really a good thing for KU to make. You said a statement. It's not a statement win of, like, KU's got to rush the field or anything. No, I you win not. this, you get ranked, though. But yeah, yeah, I agree. And then, and it's just one of those statement games. It was like, "Hey, baby, we're here to fuck," you know. Like, <laughs> we're not, we're, you know, we're not playing no more. Like Lance, OBJ, not no BJ. 
Yeah, yeah, no BJ. They're like, no BS, no B. Well, BYU is saying no BJ. I want to see the KU frats and sororities and and any other creatives in in Lawrence. I want to see the best. We're about to soak. We're about to soak that BYU defense. I'm putting this. Yeah, I'm about to soak this BYU team. I'm fixing to put it in and soak. <laughs> My mind went exactly where yours did. There. Yeah, it did. I was like, we're fixing to soak, baby. <laughs> Let me put it in and soak real quick. Let Jalen Daniels put that Apple Watch in soak. <laughs> oh. I mean, I hope they do. I hope they beat the shit out of them. Because uh, if OSU if is going to shit the bed, I'd like to see KU just. I, I, it, you know what the bad thing is? I'll be on the road the whole, pretty much the whole day. Um, you know, OSU is so bad that Billy will be on an airplane almost for. He'll be in an airport the entire day. He's gonna go down with me, but that game's at two thirty. Um, you know, I'll be recklessly driving on the road in a U-Haul, and and I will be. I'm a Jayhawk this week. Okay, welcome to the family, uh, all aboard. Um, and, and, and Billy not riding in the U-Haul with you, that's a cop move. No, Billy, I, I knew this would come from Billy, though, because he does not do road trips. But, you know, maybe I'll find one of those big old women down in San Antonio on Saturday night to soak in or something. Yeah, bring some churros with you. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll put my churro and soak the churro or something. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> more to come. Brightson Stricker is going to join us next. Uh, Coach Bull standing by later on. And uh, Tom Fullery as well, as uh, you'll find out the full story of uh, Tom getting uh, removed from Elon Musk's platform. More to come. Stay with us. Join us now on the Jones Sport this week. So excited to have this guy uh, back on the show. Bryson Stricker, uh, a native of the state of Kansas and uh, working with Bleacher Report. Uh, back in the day, I remember uh brought this guy on my radio show and, you know, he was just getting started in the biz and now it's just flourished, just taking off, doing his thing. And uh, the biggest Kansas football fan you're going to find anywhere as well. Bryson joins us right now. Bryson, uh, thanks for uh, joining us, man. And, uh, Congrats on all your success. Uh, amazing to see how far you've come, man. Certainly happy for you. I appreciate it, man. I uh, you, you you made that call back to when you had me on the show many years ago, man. I, obviously, I'm sure you saw like, I hit 10,000 on Twitter this week. I, I might have been in the in the thousands at that point. Maybe not even there, man. It's it's crazy. I appreciate you know your support. I appreciate you, you everything you taught me as well, man. It's it's all those things. It's crazy to see, but I'm sure you know too. Like you stick your mind to something, man. You can uh, make anything possible. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. Uh, what Bryson's a good example of for others out there is he's always stayed true to himself. You haven't wavered on uh, your support from Kansas football and being as many games as you can and that being your identity. Uh, you know, I, I know it, it's easier now with where the football program's at, but, I mean, people like you and I, we, we were there when it wasn't easy a few years ago and, and, and still around. Yeah, dude, I, I talk to my friends about it all the time, and we watched us win eight games in my four years at KU, man. Eight games. And I think we were on the field for five of those wins. We stole in the field in my five of those wins. You know, it was, it was some good times, man. But, yeah, dude, it's it's crazy now. We're looking at a, a potential of winning that many games in one season, man. It's 
it's one of those things like, I said it for years. I knew it would pay off eventually, man. But last season, bro, I, my my mental health, my physical health, I've never been happier than I was last year, man. And this year, obviously, is at least starting off on a good foot. Yeah, 3-0 and start. Uh, that game against Nevada was a little closer than I think uh, we wanted it to be. But a win's a win nonetheless. How are you feeling about this uh, Kansas football team here entering uh, week four? Yeah, obviously, the Nevada game was not what anyone wanted to see. But – that's college sports, man. That, that's what we love. You know, KU basketball does the same thing, has some random game against a team they should not struggle with at all. A couple of years ago, I remember like a North Dakota State or South Dakota State game coming down to the wire, man. Like it's one of those things where you got 18 to 23, sometimes 24-year-olds. Like the the variance is so much larger than it is in professional sports. And it's one of those things I, I think for us is a look-ahead spot. It's obviously like a very cliche classic term, but like that is the that game was the definition of a look-ahead spot. Like 28-point favorites on the road against a team that hasn't won a game in over a year. You know, you're looking at a situation where we were expected to kill them, and we have a big game coming up this week. We got the job done, and what I tell people is the biggest thing is in the past, we would have lost that game. Like, in the past, we would have lost that game. Now we're winning those games, and you just got to survive in advance. And I mean, I, I know you watch plenty of college football as well. I mean, Georgia, Bama, all these teams almost lost, or almost lost on Saturday as well, so. Yeah, uh, a lot of parody in college football teams uh, this year, as far as that goes. Uh, Bryson, uh, th- this Kansas team uh, with uh, – I'm sorry, some people in my office today with as good as Jalen is uh, and Devin Neal and company. I mean, this offense is so explosive. And, and I can't wait to see entering Big 12 play, just see this group really just hang with anybody. There's no reason why they can't. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things with this group now, man, is like they can't hang with anyone. And this conference, I I said it forever. I was like, honestly, being bad and especially as bad as KU was and the Big 12 was the worst place to be bad because everybody scores. And the worst thing is, is when your team is bad and you can't stop anyone from scoring and then you have to somehow manufacture 40 points, 50 points sometimes to win a game. It gets so much harder. But now we're at a point where our offense can do that with anybody including Texas, including Oklahoma, we can score with anyone. Now we're looking at a point, can we not turn the ball over, which is, you know, somewhat been a problem so far this season, and can we stop other teams? Because it's really going to come down to that. Like, as far as I'm concerned, like, the sky is literally the limit with this team. How far can the defense take them? How much can Jalen Daniels, you know, do Jalen Daniels things and maybe uh, win us the games we shouldn't win as well? I thought that Illinois game was a step in the right direction for the defense. I know things uh... – you know, didn't finish necessarily how they liked, but that that first half performance, uh, I want to see more of that. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, dude. I that Illinois game, man. Like, I I make plenty of memes about it all the time, man. But Andy Cole Nicky, when we get like four possession leads, like doesn't know what to do at all. Like <laughs> that game got close at the end for absolutely no reason, and, and it was what it was. But that first half, man, and honestly, the most impressive part was that like fifty second drive at the end of the half, man. That. That pass on the run from Jalen Daniels to Luke Gund on the sideline, like being there in person for that was was absolutely wild. Like that, that's one of those things you never saw that happen in the past, you know, ten years minus last year of Kansas football, like even longer. Like that stuff didn't happen, man. And, and that Illinois game, and I think too, I don't know if you had a chance to see their game against Penn State this past week, but Penn State's supposed to be, you know, you know, on the verge of making the college football playoff, and and Illinois doesn't throw six picks. I think it was five picks. Yeah. They might have lost the game. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. That that Illinois game was a litmus test before the season for us. And the way we saw it play out, I, I thought we passed it pretty well. Heading into this week, taking on BYU, the line, uh, I believe, last I checked, was at eight and a half. 
Uh, what do you think about that of uh, KU taking on a BYU team that's coming in off a big-time road win against Arkansas last week? Yeah, it, you know, it, it was surprising to me, um, especially some of the worst in the, in the betting industry to see the line be that high. But it, for me, what it what it really resents, re- represents is two things. One, it really shows that the oddsmakers actually believe in Kansas football now. Um, and that is that is something that did not happen last year. Even still, oh, yeah. when we were winning games, we were we were getting disrespected by the line. Um, so that's a, a really good sign for us, in my opinion. But secondly, what I think is most important is seeing it, you know, just like the casual fan, everybody's betting BYU, except the pros. The pros are on Kansas because it's one of those things. You look at that game for BYU and Arkansas last week, and mind you, BYU is significantly better than Nevada by many stretches of the imagination. But, like, that game statistically wasn't really – like, Arkansas just did a bunch of stupid things, kind of just like we did with Nevada last week. The difference was we still won the game, and Nevada's a very bad team. But, like, you look at those stats, and it's like, BYU probably shouldn't have won that game. I think they were down 14-0 pretty quickly as well. Like, it's one of those things that, like, in all honesty – BYU is kind of overreached with that win last week. And so now like a lot of momentum, I think like Vegas at least just typically is never going to overreact to something like that. Us at home will, and that's why everyone will bet BYU and maybe lose, but it's like Vegas isn't going to overreact to one week. They're going to say, Hey, we thought Arkansas should have beaten them by a touchdown last week. We think Kansas should be beating them by about a touchdown again this week. And they're going to hold true to it. So it'll be interesting. I, I think that team will cause problems for us. Um, But man, like I said already, dude, that offense, uh, when it's clicking, man. And as far as I'm concerned, that game's going to be close. And, and that, honestly, that's where I want it to be. When it's close, I actually trust our offense way more than when we have like a two-touchdown lead and we're trying to run the ball and like milk clock. When when we got a close game, we need Jalen Daniels to perform, man. That's where I think this team will be at its best. Yeah, you want the ball in your best player's hands. You don't want uh, Jason Bean having to convert two-point conversions, you know. It, yeah, too soon, too soon. Oh, I know. It, it hurts, believe me. Um, now, as far as that goes, you know, BYU coming off a, a road win, an emotional win and all that. Now it's their first game in conference play. I don't know about you, Bryson. I think there's something to be said of an adjustment period that BYU and these other new Big 12 members have of the week-to-week expectation. For Kansas, it's nothing new of going from playing a Texas to an Oklahoma. I, I think for BYU, they're in for a rude awakening of going from Arkansas one week to Kansas to the next. I agree wholeheartedly, man. And I, I'll say, like, I, I kind of said I really liked the beginning of the year before we even knew that maybe Cincinnati's not good, that I liked that we played Cincinnati really late in the year. Like, I think a lot of these teams, the, the group of five teams that have come over now are going to have two problems. One, like you're saying, just the, the stress of, like, traveling across the country and playing teams that are just as good, if not better than you, and then having to go play another one. That's going to be its first problem. But two, just injuries man like I think UCF's quarterback is out this week against K-State and like it's one of those things like you're playing teams that are just as big and just as strong as you every week it gets so much harder to sustain how good you are like UCF when they you know went undefeated and then I think they beat Auburn in their bowl game like ridiculously impressive no doubt about it but it's like when you have to play Auburn every week you're not going to beat Auburn very much but when you just have to play them one time your team's healthy it's a lot easier to do that and I think BYU like I think BYU is honestly getting kind of lucky minus having to play Arkansas last week that they're playing us early. But like, I think in two to three weeks, if not a month, a lot of these new teams will be broken down. Like they will be half of their starters will be hurt because they're playing physical teams every single week. And then it'll be an absolute meltdown from them down the stretch. But yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I think the BYU is in for a, a rude awakening. I don't, I don't know if Kansas is the most rude awakening as it gets, but 
I, I do think it's a good spot for us nonetheless, so I'm excited. Bryson Stricker joining us here at the Jump Sport this week as we're talking Kansas, Big 12 football uh, here on the show. And, uh, you know, when when I look at just where the Big 12 is at, you know, that you know, Texas, obviously the favorites of that win against Alabama, Oklahoma playing well, uh, had a nice performance last week against Tulsa. I don't know about you, Bryson. I, I think there's a clear opening for Kansas potentially to be that number three team. I mean, uh, maybe even an outside shot at the Big 12 championship game. Is that out of the, the picture here? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's out of the picture. I, I think the ball's got to fall our way. And, you know, if last week's any evidence, it ain't going to fall our way. Uh, but maybe we're due now. Who knows? Um, I, I think that we have the offense to do it. I just worry about the defense. And I really worry about the defense when they're playing teams just as fast, if not faster than us. Like, um, Illinois, like everyone's like, oh, their offensive line is going to be big and strong. I'm like, sure, all that. But it's like speed is what the Big 12 is all about. And that Big 10 is not that. I mean, have you ever watched an Iowa football game? Um, you know, it's like – and so I worry about like Oklahoma and Texas where it's like these guys are, one, never going to overlook us again. And, two, like just the speed they have on offense, man. I, I just worry about our defense being able to contain that. But, you know, I, I do think that like – well, I talked to somebody in the offseason, a 24-7, like, you know, uh, college football guy. And he said, you know, if I told you that Kenny went through our schedule and said, I told you, Kenny, you won this game. Would you believe me? I said, yes. And he's like, we got to the end and we were nine and three. And it's like, yeah, like I, I would like I would believe you if we you told me we'd be everybody besides Oklahoma, Texas and K-State. I would believe you. Do I think we're going to go nine and three? Probably not. But I would but like all of those games are winnable. And so it's if this team can perform, if the defense can can do their part, if Jalen Daniels can keep playing at a pretty high level, it does become more. And then you start looking at a situation. Oklahoma, Texas, obviously one of them is going to beat each other in two weeks or three weeks. Um, and then two, you get teams, you get teams, especially like the K-States of the world that have always been knocking off Oklahoma and Texas. Like you get you get them to knock off Oklahoma. Maybe we beat Oklahoma and all of a sudden – you know, you have you end up in some tiebreaker situation we could win, but it'll be close. You know, I I think, well, we'll say, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, tinfoil hot guy at all, but you know, I don't think the Big 12 wants Oklahoma and Texas both uh in Arlington come uh December. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see if, if we can maybe get a favorable call or two, or honestly, the entire conference gets favorable calls or two against uh, Oklahoma and Texas this season. Just kind of I remember uh Nebraska's last season, my whole family's Nebraska fans, and man, they 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 were going through it, man. They, I remember they had that face mask. The guy's head was ripped all the way around. They didn't even call it. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, looking ahead to uh, this weekend, uh, we, we are talking about Kansas-BYU. Just an incredible slate of college football games this week. Amazing. Uh, first and foremost, Colorado, 21-point dogs against Oregon. The boards on, on Colorado have been interesting. I mean – you looked at they opened as 20-plus dogs against TCU. Here they're 20-plus dogs again against Oregon. But Colorado State, they were favored, what was it, 28 last week? I mean, yeah. uh, Vegas kind of all over the place when it comes to Dion of that Colorado team. Yeah, man. They, as someone that works in sports, man, I there's no, I post Dion's face, man. It gets 5,000 more likes than anything else, man. Colorado's the biggest, sport, biggest story in sports at the moment. Um, but I, I, think, I think this week is when it unravels. And I'll say – I bet against them on TCU. I bet against them with Nebraska. I bet against them last week and finally got some of my money back. Um, but, man, I, I think, unfortunately, the train's going to come to an end for them this week. I, I think no Travis Hunter is 
as big of a loss as it gets, man. And I, I think it's crazy he hasn't scored a touchdown for him this year, but like that guy is playing 100 snaps a game, um, offense and defense. And like he's very, very good, able to shut down, you know, your top player on the other side on offense. Like, I just, I just don't see how Colorado can compete with Oregon. I, I will say, I don't think Oregon's that good. And so I, I, you know, the, a couple of weeks ago against Texas Tech, I mean, pretty solid argument. They should have lost that game. Like Texas Tech kind of little meltdown at the end. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of look at it and I just, I wonder if 21 is too high. Um, but I, I don't see any way that, that, that they win the game. I, especially, I think the game's in Oregon. Like I, I just, I see this as like a, a come a come to Jesus moment for Colorado and in, in a humbling moment. And I think, uh, you know, I think USC is obviously really good and they play USC next week. I think that will be a, one of the most entertaining games we get this year of college football. But yeah, I, I, I worry about this, this game for Colorado, unfortunately. Well, what I wonder too, Bryson, uh, let's say that they lose, whether it's a blowout, close game, whatever it may be. I'm very curious. All the vibes have been so good and all the energy, the excitement around Dion and, Shador and you mentioned Travis Hunter and those guys. How's this team going to react when they do get hit in the mouth, when they do get handed an L? Where does that team go from here? How does that change things for Colorado, you think? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think uh, if it's close, I think they, they can sit back and say, hey, we don't have Travis Hunter. Like, I, I find it very interesting how few people, like, knew about Travis Hunter going into the season. Like, I, I mean, I didn't necessarily expect Travis Hunter to be this good. Um, but I mean, two years ago, like he was the biggest number one recruit in the country and he went to Jackson state and it's like, what the hell is he doing? Everybody's like, what the hell is he this kid doing? Um, and it's like, that kid is good, man. And so I think, you know, if they keep this game respectable, I think it's really easy for them to sit back and be like, well, we didn't have Travis and Travis plays a massive role in the steam. And so it's like, it is what it is. But, you know, I, I actually, he was just on an interview with Taylor Rooks and Taylor said, you know, I feel like there was 9.3 million or something like that watching him play yeah. last week. And, but Dion said 9.2 million of them were there to watch him lose. And I think that's the narrative we've kind of gotten with the sports is like, we love it. We loved that they beat TCU. We loved that they beat Nebraska. And now we want to watch them lose. Like now we want to see the empire come crumbling down. And so it'll be interesting to see like how that all, you know, plays out if, if, and when they lose this weekend. And I think, you know, obviously playing USC the next week, like, that's not probably going to be too fun. I, I don't think that Colorado defense is very good because I really don't think TCU is good. And I don't think Nebraska is good. So I really kind of think that whole, like, I think the fact they were ranked after beating those two teams is kind of crazy. Like, I, I don't think either of those teams are good, but um, it'll be interesting. I, I'm excited. It's the big, it's going to be the biggest story in sports for a while, at least on Saturday. We'll see how long it, uh, see how long it lasts. Yeah. That uh, Ohio State Notre Dame game, uh, two great programs, obviously, but, uh, top 10 teams, Notre Dame. Uh, I like Sam Hartman, solid quarterback. Ohio State's got some question marks at the quarterback position, and Ohio State comes in favored here. Uh, you know, normally they, they say, you know, don't count on Notre Dame when it comes to these big games here. But when you look at this on paper here, I, I don't know how you can't ignore the, the fighting Irish in this one. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. I, I haven't dove into the betting splits and, and all that, but at least like having watched their games and, couple weeks ago i was sweating marvin harrison jr touchdown so i was watching way too much of their game against a not very good team uh i think it was indiana or something but um you know i i think there comes that point where it's like i think this is that test for ohio or for notre dame it's like hey like how good are you guys and and i you mentioned sam hartman man i i think he's the real deal he hasn't thrown a pick this year 
Um, been really good, man. I, I, I really do think that Notre Dame is probably going to win this game. Um, I, I think they're plus three. I, I'm definitely going to take that. Like, it's one of those things I haven't been impressed with Ohio State, man. And I do think Marvin Harrison Jr. will probably cause a lot of problems out there. But, man, that the quarterback situation at Ohio State leaving a lot to be desired. And I think we've kind of seen it from all these top teams, Georgia, uh, Alabama. The quarterbacks aren't looking too hot at these top schools right now. And I think when it comes down to it, you're probably talking about a game that's going to be close late in the fourth quarter. You're going to – I don't even know the Ohio State quarterback's name off the top of my head. But do you want that kid or do you want Sam Hartman? And – and you know, I, I think I'm think I'm gonna bet on Sam Hartman, man. I I think he's the real deal. Yeah, I think so too. You mentioned Alabama uh playing against Ole Miss here. Ole Miss got decent quarterbacks in Jackson Dart. Um, meanwhile, you know, Alabama trying to figure out their quarterback situation. Uh, looks like they're going back to Milrow here. Um, you know, everybody talks about the quarterback situation in Alabama, but uh I think there's bigger issues than that. Like I was very unimpressed with how they looked at the line of scrimmage against Texas there. I mean, the, the it's easy to point the quarterback position, but I think the problems are bigger than that. No, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think that, you know, I'm not going to be a dynasties over type of guy by any means, but I think, uh, I think maybe a, a, a year of recruiting was, ta- was, you know, sleeping at the wheel or something for Nick Saban, because there, there always seems to be a transition. And, I don't know if you – I remember, like, I think Bryce Young got hurt last year, right? He was, like, out for, like, yeah. two or three weeks. And, and Milroy was in there. He was fast. He was running the ball and he was moving around, but he did not look good throwing the ball. And I, I don't know if they didn't think they needed a transfer. I don't know if Nick Saban thought Jaden Milroy was good enough. Like, my take from watching Jaden Milroy last year was that they needed to go find – and mind you, they got that kid from Notre Dame or whatever. But, like, I don't know. Like, I, I felt like they were missing at quarterback without a doubt and, like, Things just didn't look right for them last year. Like the game against Tennessee, like they were Jalen Hyatt. What you had like three hundred yards and like five touch. Like they just did not look good. And then they lost six of their best players. You know, I don't know. It, it's one of those things that I think uh, Alabama's in trouble. I think they at some point missed a little bit in recruiting, and I think uh, they're going to have to fix that in some capacity. Yeah, and, and then like the line this week, Bama by seven. Um, they're still the home team. Like that's. That, that, that to me is one I, I would stay away from Bryson because I could see Ole Miss making that interesting, but Bama just by a touchdown at home is is hard to ignore as well. Yeah, no, 100%. I, that's one of those things that, like, it's one of those things where you bet Ole Miss, you're like, you know what, Bama's done. And then you're like, why did I bet against Alabama? <laughs> you end up in a, why did I bet again? I know I felt the same way a couple years ago in the championship game when they lost to Georgia, but I was like, I'm not betting against Nick Saban. I was like, I, you know what, if I lose this bet, I'm fine with it. Because I didn't bet against Nick Saban, and I lost the bet. I was fine with it because I didn't bet against Nick Saban. So uh, we'll, we'll see. It'll, it'll be close. I think that game's going to be really good. And, and fun fact, you know, going back to the K football, Jackson Dart was very, very, very close to coming to KU. So true. Fun fact. Yes, uh, yes, indeed. Uh, let me ask you about uh, some pro football stuff uh, uh, on the betting side. There, the uh, the Chiefs have not looked great in the first two weeks. You take on a Bears team at 12 and a half, that's got all sorts of problems. And, you know, we, we found out about their defensive coordinator resigning today and all that. Uh, at home, needing a bounce back game, is that is that easy money? Can't say 12 and a half. Is there any reason why they, they shouldn't run away with that game? I, I do think they'll run away. In the NFL especially, man, I, I get scared of taking those big spreads, man, because, I mean, I'm sure you saw what the Rams did this last week. Man, that was – 
hell uh, for anybody who had money on Niners minus seven and a half. But it's one of those things that like it's really easy. Like the the Chiefs could be up twenty at the end and give up a touchdown, then they're up thirteen, and then they like you know run the ball four plays, punt the ball, and then they get like a last second touchdown that's useless as hell, and all of a sudden they they lost they won the game by seven, and it's like no one cares. Like it's like those big numbers, man. They just get scary, and I agree with you. Like I I do lean that it's like kind of a get right spot for the Chiefs. Like it's like a you got a much inferior opponent, but I do kind of think too that like a running quarterback has been a problem for them in the past. Like Justin Fields, obviously, like they've got plenty of discourse over there right now, but the running quarterbacks have, have been a problem for the Chiefs. And so, um, you know, I, I don't want to pretend that the Bears are that good. I don't think they are, but it, it, I don't know. I ain't laying 12 and a half. That's all I got to say. Uh, the I think the best game this week, Monday Night Football, Eagles Bucks, that game in Tampa. Philly favored by five there. Uh, Baker's playing really good. Obviously, the Eagles are as stacked as anybody out there. On the road, five. What what direction are you leaning towards in that game? Uh, could be uh, a, a really good in, in, test to see how good Tampa actually is here. I will be on the Bucks plus five every which way Monday, man. I I am not necessarily completely sold on the Baker Mayfield experience at Tampa and stuff, but I do think that team is way better than people think. And like, I think people like thought that like, oh, Tom Brady's gone. They're going to be terrible now. Like. Was Tom Brady that great last year? Like, was he? Oh. Like, he was. He was Tom Brady, and my he did Tom Brady things, and like he had a lot of characteristics that you know you need out of a quarterback. But it's like he really wasn't that great last year. And I think Baker brings a lot of intangible stuff. That's why he's always been good. And so I think like when they're having success, I think Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback to have. I think when your team's not having success, uh, I don't know about all that. Um, but yeah, I, I will be taking the bucks. I have not sold on this Eagles team, man. I had uh Patriots plus four and a half, um, week one. That was one of the worst betting losses I've ever experienced in my life with them just continually. Not, and like the two point conversion holding call ruined my weekend. Um, but, and then I was on the Vikings to cover last week and we got a backdoor from Kirk Cousins. Like I, I, I'm not sold on this Eagles team at all, man. I, I'm really like, and I don't know what's wrong. I, I, I don't, but they do not look like the same team. Last year, the defense looks good, and don't get me wrong, but it's like they look a way weaker than they looked last year, and I, I don't know if things just aren't necessarily computing on offense. What else you like on the uh, NFL board potentially this week? Yeah, man, there's there's some, you know, I as I've gotten more matured in my betting, I've, I've stopped being like, oh, no way this team loses, and I've gone to the other side of the pond, and it's like, okay, hey, like this is too many points. I'm uh, in Circa's Millions uh, contest where we had to pick five picks against the spread every week. Uh, and if uh, you finish in first, you win a million bucks, which is pretty sick. But, um, you know, I, I think I'm going to go down some rabbit holes. I think Giants plus 10 and a half tomorrow night will be a rabbit hole I go down. I think I'll end up on the Texans plus nine and a half come Sunday. Um, a game that I think will be fun to watch, and I really might just sit it out, but I probably won't sit it out, is the Vikings and Chargers. That's just one of those games. So it doesn't matter which team you bet on, you're going to lose. Like, but like the better one team might win the game, but everyone's going to lose because those are two teams that find ways to lose you money in just the most ridiculous fashion possible. And I think I'm going to lean Vikings there. Um, I, I really think that the Vikings are actually like kind of decent. They just, you know, I think the Bucks are better than we thought. So it's like the week one loss isn't really that bad. And, and the week two loss, like kind of should have been closer. Like, 
Justin Je- Justin Jefferson's fumble out of the back of the end zone was the game. Like that yeah. completely turned the game on his head. Um, and so I'll leave Vikings there. And then I, I'm trying to think there's one more. Um, let's see. I know I texted somebody. Yeah. Um, oh, the Falcons, man. I I I think the Falcons might might be the real deal. I don't think Desmond Ritter is the real deal, and so we, we might have some problems there. But uh, I'm very high on the Falcons. Game that's got my attention this week uh, on the board. I, I like this this Packers team to an extent, at least better than what I anticipated. the The Saints, I think, are total frauds. Green Bay at home. I like Green Bay in that two points at home personally. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, at least like conceptually about all that. Like I, I think the Saints are not that good. Um, I think that the Packers are way better than we thought. Like I, I mean, Jordan Love, like I remember when they drafted Jordan Love, they looked like idiots. When Jordan Love was playing, when Aaron Rodgers was there, they everyone thought they were idiots. But like Jordan Love looks good, man. And I I I don't know if you can exactly equate it this way, but like I I think that like 20% of the reason that Patrick Mahomes is as good as he is right now is because he didn't play his first year. I, I really do think like, I think if you're a good quarterback and you can sit behind a good veteran quarterback, that is very advantageous. No one wants to do it. Everyone wants to play immediately. So it's like, no one wants to be in that situation and no team really is drafting quarterbacks when they have good players like that. And so you really get these rare situations, but like, I think he looks ready to play. And like, when's the last time you remember someone being ready to pull like Trevor Lawrence is like as ready to play as you can remember. And his first year wasn't good. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm pretty sure he was like splitting with Gardner Minshew or something like his first year. So it's one of those things where it's like, I think you're seeing the Packers be way better than we thought because we saw Jordan love play when he wasn't ready. And right. now he sat there what two, maybe three years. And it's like, Hey, you know what? He kind of is playing like he played behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like it's, yeah. it's all starting to make sense. Look at Geno Smith now compared to when he was the starter the first go around. He's a totally different quarterback now. Um, yeah. and all that time sit behind Russell Wilson and others. I mean, he's greatly benefited. So, yeah, yeah. great point there. Bryson, uh, before we go, where can uh, people follow you and see uh, what you're doing with Witch Report, man? Do you follow me personally, Brad Bryce Strick, on every social. Uh, but for work, it's BR Betting, Bleacher Report accounts. It's BR slash betting. Uh, BR underscore betting on uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. And uh, you'll see my face on there way more than you probably want to. But yeah. Bryson, uh, thanks for coming on. Join us, man. Uh, happy for you. All the great stuff you're doing, man. Best of luck uh, with everything. And we'll be talking down the line. Thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate you, boss. Time for Coach Bulls Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagcast.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. You can also check out Coach Bodo's podcast out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing? Doing good, Tyler. How are you doing today, buddy? Very well. I'm very well. Always a pleasure uh, anytime we get a chance to chat, my friend. Uh, what's going on these days at uh, O'Connor Advisory Group? We're busy. It's a good time of year. This is the time of year, so it's crazy. Um September, October are like the months where everybody wants to get stuff done before the holidays. Uh, we've still got time. We've still got things to do. And we're offering a new service. I want to talk about this real quick. Um, and this is for people who have got investments. We've always done a free portfolio look over. We look over your portfolio, you know, ask you a few questions, see if what you're currently got matches up to your current allocation and what your current needs are. But now we've got a new one where we're actually looking at annuities. Uh, a lot of people have old annuity contracts, and with the interest rate changes and some of the different things that are out there now, we're able to go in and determine 
what do you have? What are you paying for here? Are they expensive? Are they not expensive? Do you have writers? Those kind of things. We're able to evaluate those. Those annuity evaluations. We're able to, to evaluate it, see here's what you got, and then to make sure that what you've put together is still right for your situation. And if not, well, again, with the interest rate changes that are out there, there's a lot of things we can do to help. So you've got old annuities somewhere. You've inherited one. You got one from an old job. We'd love to chat with you and see how we might be able to help you with that. We want to be your partner, OAGcast.com or counteroffensegroup.com for more information there. Uh, Bo, let's get to the picks this week. Uh, you were starting to fall a little bit behind. You went 3-7 yeah, last week, 14-16 overall. Tom is sitting at 15-15, and 15, and I continued to dominate at 17-13. and 13. Uh, Solid six and four weeks for yours truly. Uh, so now – we uh, advance to this week's slate, and this is a really good slate of both college and NFL games, especially in the college side. Uh, number six, Ohio State. Number nine, Notre Dame. Uh, Ohio State favored by three and a half. Number 19, Colorado. And number 10, Oregon. Oregon tw- favored by 21 at home. Number 15, Ole Miss. And number 13, Alabama. Alabama favored by seven at home. Number 14, Oregon State in number 21, Washington State. The Beavers favored by three. Number 22, UCLA. Number 17, Utah. Utah favored by four and a half. On the NFL side, Eagles and Bucks. Eagles favored five and a half. Giants and Niners. Niners favored ten and a half. Uh, The Rams and the Bengals. The Bengals favored by two. Falcons and Lions. Lions favored three and a half. Saints and Packers. Packers favored by one and a half. So let's get started with the college side of things with Ohio State and Notre Dame. Ohio State favored by three and a half. Bo, what do you think of this game? So I, I, I'm of two minds about this game. Uh, been real impressed with Notre Dame's run game. It's going to shorten the game. But last week we saw the Ohio State offense opened up a little bit. Marvin Harrison Jr. played well. And one of my rules is if the better player, if, if the best player in the game is an offensive player, that's the team you need to lean towards. I like Ohio State in this game. I like them to win. Three and a half is a lot. The hook is what worries me. There's a bunch of these games this week where the extra half points a killer. I'm going to take Notre Dame plus three and a half. I think they shorten the game. I think it's a three-point game. If it was me actually gambling on this, I would actually buy the half point or wait to see if it moves one way or the other. Um, I like Notre Dame here, plus the three and a half. Still not sold on Ohio State through and through, although we did see some glimpses from Marvin Harrison Jr. last week and some improvement. I think Notre Dame in a close Damn, I was really hoping you'd take Ohio State uh, because I got Notre Dame here myself. Uh, I think you talk about the quarterback situation. Ohio State uh, is a little shaky there. I think Sam Hartman is a very good quarterback who's played uh, very well so far this year. They're at home. Uh, I don't like taking Notre Dame traditionally in big games, but usually that's in the postseason. They they have a pretty good track record of winning big games in the regular season. Uh, I'll go with uh, Notre Dame to uh, win and cover uh, as a three-and-a-half-point dog. Number 19, Colorado. Number 10, Oregon. Oregon favored by 21 at home. No Travis Hunter for the Buffaloes. Uh, Bo, what do you think here? Is 21 for the Ducks too much? 
I think so. I think it's too much. I think that we saw Colorado play a really tough game, an emotional game last week with Colorado State, which I thought was well coached on both ends. I think it's, I think Colorado State had a really good game plan going in as well. I wonder we'll talk more about that. But I it's hard for me to not have that offense in Colorado and not take 21 points. So I'm going to take Colorado and plus my 21 there. I think the run ends for Colorado. I do think Oregon wins. Uh, I think it's going to be a significant difference not having Travis Hunter. But 21 is too much for me, considering how good Colorado's offense is. Their defense isn't worse shit, uh, but their offense can put up points. I think they can keep it within 21. I, I think it's a disrespectful line, quite frankly. I'll go Colorado uh, to cover 21, Oregon to win outright. Ole Miss and Alabama, Bama favored by seven. Bo, uh, I know Alabama's got their quarterback issues. Ole Miss got a pretty good one in Jackson Dart. Uh, can Ole Miss make this a game in Tuscaloosa with tied favored by seven? Here's where I'm at on this. So Bama did not look good last week. They got that big rain delay in the middle. They had that storm delay. And Bama's quarterback situation is really bad. Now they're on their third quarterback in three weeks. Well, they're going um, back to Milro now. But yeah, I mean they've played three in the last two games. Yeah. Um, but Saban against ex-assistant coaches, he's unbeatable. I mean, he does not lose to his guys, except to Sark two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm taking Bama with a latest seven. I think in the end, Lane Kiffin's the only person who really thinks Lane Kiffin's that good a coach is Lane Kiffin. Um, I, I like Lane Kiffin, but I think that Bama will get some things fixed. That defense will play well at home. This week is probably an eye-opening week at Tuscaloosa. I'll take Bama minus the seven. I don't think Ole Miss is that great. Um, I think Bama, this should have been a week where Saban got that team's attention. Um, they should win this just fine. I'll, I'll go with Bama by seven if they do what they're supposed to do. Um, Oregon State, Washington State, Oregon State favored by 14. Washington State at home, Oregon State a three-point team. Bo, uh, both these teams, it's unfortunate that, you know, as both of them are going to be left, basically getting demoted, kicked out of the power five, both of them are pretty decent football teams and meeting, I think, for the first time ever as both top 25 teams uh, going out essentially on top here uh, with Oregon State favored by three. I'm going to take Oregon State. I think this is really close. I think it's going to be a low, uh, a low, low hanging thing. I think we're looking at three, four points. So I think three is about a push here. I'm going to take Oregon State. Uh, the quarterback's better. That's what I like there. And um, DJ that was at Clemson watched them a couple times already this year. They've played well. He's solid. I'm going to take Oregon State here. I haven't seen a lot of Washington State. Obviously, uh, they are the home team, but. I'm going to go with Oregon State here. I hate agreeing with you so much, Bo. I got Oregon State as well. Uh, Oregon State by three. Um, should be a fun game. That's a sneaky good game, but uh, I think DJU uh, has a good showing there. Oregon State gets the win. UCLA and uh, Utah. Uh, Utah still waiting on when Cam Rising's going to make his season debut, uh, but they're favored by four and a half at home. Uh, this game, Bo, uh, Pretty decent matchup here. Utah, four and a half. What do you think? I like Utah's defense. 
Rising isn't back yet. UCLA last couple of weeks scored some points. They put some points on the board. They, you know, they got that Chip Kelly offense. I'm taking UCLA plus the four and a half. I think this game can be closer than that. If there's going to be an upset in the games we've picked today, an outright upset, I like UCLA is that upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we'll see. Yeah, Oregon's tough at home. But but if you get them get them to roll with that offense, UCLA can give them a run. So give me UCLA plus the points here. All right, we finally disagree. I'm going with Utah here. Uh, I like their defense. Uh, I think that that's the difference in this ball game. Utah's defense slows down UCLA just enough. They win and I cover four and a half to the NFL. Eagles and Bucks on Monday Night Football. Uh, the Eagles traveling to Tampa Bay. The Eagles, uh, you know, have, have gotten off to a decent start to this season. The Bucs have surprised some folks. They're 2-0. Baker's playing really good. But, I mean, granted their two wins were against NFC North teams and uh, the Bears look pretty bad and we don't know how good the Vikings really are or not at this point. With that said, uh, I'll, I'll say this. Bo, credit to the Bucs for starting 2-0. No question about it. But they have not faced a team like the Eagles yet. Uh, they got their work cut out for them as a five-and-a-half-point dog at home. Yeah, I like the Eagles here. I'm, I'll, here's what i got to say on the Bucs first. They're 2-0. Oh. This is the best they're going to be record-wise for a while. they got they got a stretch here coming up with some, some tough games. Baker has been lucky that um, Mike Evans was butt-naked wide open four or five times in the game this past week. I mean, just ridiculous. Um, and the Bucks defense played extremely well. Having said all that, I think the Eagles still are the best team in the NFL. I think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to win this game out more than a touchdown. I'm taking the Eagles. I think it's a statement game for the Eagles. I, I think it's a close game. I, I like Philly to win, but Going on the road Monday night and everything, uh, the Eagles still haven't played to their best of their capabilities. I don't think they're there yet where they want to be. I like Philly to win, but I think it it it's a three or four point win. I'll go with the Bucks to cover. Giants and Niners. Niners favored by ten and a half. No Saquon Barkley. The Niners look fantastic. They're the home team. Uh, the Giants ended up staying in Phoenix after beating the Cardinals. Uh, stayed out west, and then they went from Phoenix to San Francisco, not going back to New York uh, after that game there. The Giants have not looked good through these first two weeks. No Saquon here. Uh, Bo, I I don't know about you. I I think this one could be ugly. I think the Niners might beat the crap out of the Giants here. I think everyone's thinking that. I think everyone's thinking that the 49ers are going to just roll this game 17 points, 20 points. As Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. I like the backdoor cover here. Mm. I like the second half of how the Giants played against the Cardinals. I think Daniel Jones gets a little something done late. I think this is still a 49ers win. I think it's still a decisive 49ers win. Nine, ten, but give me ten and a half. I'll take it. Give me the Giants plus the ten and a half. Rams and Bengals, uh, Rams have held their own for the first two weeks. Um, 
you know, very good win against Seattle week one, dominated on the road. Week two, uh, you know, looked decent against the the Niners there. Uh, the Bengals hit 0-2, uh, did not look good week one against Cleveland. Week two, uh, Baltimore outplayed them, beat them on their own turf uh, and everything. Uh, Cincinnati favored by two, and it feels like a must-win game already for Cincinnati. Uh, Bo, when you're talking not just for that division, but a very tight race for that wild card as well. Yeah, so the two losses being in the division for the Bengals kills it's it's a killer. This is a must win for the Bengals. Um, on my podcast, we will be out tomorrow. We have talked at length about the Bengals and their situation. If the Bengals lose this game, Zach Taylor should be fired. He has done a horrible job coaching this team this year. They don't look prepared. They don't make adjustments during the game. Uh, Joe Burrow has. He leads the league in passing accuracy when he has the ball in his hands for 2.3 seconds or less. However, he has not completed a ball longer than 15 yards all season, well, two, two games. He has only attempted one pass over 15 yards. He's hurting. He's not ready. He probably ought to be sitting. This is the Bengals' last stand. If they do not win this game, they have a period of games coming up that's going to include another game against Baltimore. They've got the Eagles coming up. They have the 49ers coming up. They can't afford to lose games. The Rams have been very good the first two weeks. They beat Seattle, who I'm higher on than most people. Seattle didn't win what they did against Detroit. Shows me the Rams were good. The Rams played it. Every down against the 49ers. They went after the 49ers, played them hard. They, they played that game really well. I'm taking the Bengals at home only because this is the last stand. If they lose this, their season's over at 0 and 3. You're not I, making the playoffs at 0 and 3. You're not. The division, you're, you're not, not making the postseason. And not only that, at 0 and 3, Joe Burrow has to sit out. If his leg is bad, and what I think will happen, if they lose, Burrow goes to the bench and is injured, and he's going to go to the bench for a while to heal. A trade for T. Higgins happens, and we see the Bengals go into some kind of a rebuild. And I hope, for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase's sake, that that includes firing the coaching staff, or at least the head coach. Just because he was in Sean McVay's orbit at some point, he did not deserve that head coaching job. Um, I'm taking the Bengals to st- to do this. I'm taking it. Burrow is going to figure out some way to do this. But if he can't overcome poor coaching, they're in a lot of trouble. Give me the Bengals. This is going to be a close game. I like the Bengals in desperation mode here. Monday night game at home. Uh, win by two, I think they can do that just fine. Uh, Falcons and Lions. Lions favored by three and a half at home. Coming off an overtime loss to the Seahawks last week. Uh, won a nail-biter against the Chiefs the week prior to that. Uh, Bo, I like this Lions team. I think the Falcons are better than what most people expected. Um, I was thinking about this game, and and, and for me, like, I think I'd like the Lions to win, but I, I don't like that three-and-a-half hook. I, I think I'd lean towards Atlanta to cover. 
I also like Atlanta to cover, believe it or not. Uh, three and a half. If it was under, if it was three or under, I would probably take the Lions. I think the Lions are a really good team. I mean, they've shown that these first couple of weeks. They played with a lot of grit when they got behind against Seattle to get back in that game, run down there in the fourth quarter, get the last score, take it to OT. They never got the ball. You know, their defense gave up a big play, and then bam, it was over. But I watched the Falcons. I picked the Falcons in their game this past week. I actually bet on the Falcons this past week. And I couldn't have been more impressed with B. John Robinson with Desmond Ritter and that offense. Their defense is good enough to keep them in games. I'll say this. The Falcons may not win this game, but it will be close. I like them plus three and a half. And I'll say this. The Atlanta Falcons are the best team in the NFC South. And that hurts me to say. But they're the best team in the NFC South. They're going to win the NFC South. It's all said and done. All right. Last game on the slate. Uh, Saints and Packers. Uh, Packers favored by one and a half. Saints are two and oh, but they got to be one of the worst two and oh teams I've ever seen. Um, the Packers are they better than most people thought? They're at home. Lambeau, obviously, a tough place to play. Jordan Love looks good. Bo, to me, this is the easiest pick of the week. I, I, I like Green Bay to, to cover one and a half. Like, I, I would, if I were betting on this, I'd almost be tempted, tempted to buy a couple more points. I, I could see them winning by even more. More more than this. I'm taking the Packers. This is the easiest game of the week on the entire docket. The Packers are a much better team. They're at home. The Saints are a fraud. They're just a flat-out fraud. They've won two games by four points. They should have lost week one. The Titans decided they wouldn't kick a field goal, a long field goal that would have put them ahead in that game. Instead, they punt, and the Saints run the clock out for getting a couple of first downs. Garrett Carr has looked awful. Some people will point to some of the stats and say, well, it's completion percentage. It's completion. He's horrible. He's played horrible. And the Saints know it, too. The Saints know it by how much they played Taysom Hill this past week at quarterback. This is a fraud team that's carried by a really good defense. No one talks about the Saints defense. The Saints defense is right up there with the 49ers, with the Eagles, with the best defenses in the league. They are loaded with talent, especially on the back end. However, that team on the offensive side is awful. They get Kamara back in two weeks but it won't be good enough if Derek Carr is the guy pulling the strings. Packers, one and a half, easy money. Easy money. So easy that a uh, caveman could pick that. Oh, uh, so there you have fraud. it. Straight up fraud in New yes. There you have it. That's our picks uh, for this week. Uh, let's stay in the NFL, talk uh, some headlines around the league. Uh, that Nick Chubb injury was was horrible. I hate it for him. I don't know if he's going to play in the league again. And now the Browns turn their attention to Kareem Hunt, who they sign. And and I got to tell you, Bo, Browns got a lot of problems. I mean, we obviously hate it for Nick Chubb. Yes. But, I mean, Sean Watson has not played good. They're paying him $230 million guaranteed. I don't think Stefanski is that good of a coach. I mean, 
they would have been better off keeping Baker Mayfield around. Like they are a dat disaster. It is a dumpster fire, and it's par for the course for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, the the, the Browns are ridiculous. Uh, what's going on there? First off, the Nick Chubb. Let's just keep on that first. Heart goes out to Nick Chubb. That was a gruesome looking injury, and Kareem Hunt's a good pickup for that. He's got experience there. They know who he is. He no knows scheme. Yeah, he knows the scheme, but that's a good deal. Um, what bothers me now is that you got now you have to look at it and go, okay, well, what? Um, where are they going to go from here? They've got some good pieces on the defense. They've got a couple of good pieces on the offense, and Joku's really good. The defense, you got the one of the best um, pass rushers in the league in Miles Garrett. But Deshaun Watson looks scared. And the play calling is awful. Cleveland has a lead with 10 minutes to go in the ball near midfield. And they kept dropping Deshaun Watson back. And he gets get sacked. And sacked again. And then sacked the third time. And it was just literally, what are you doing? I kept looking and going, throw a screen pass. You want to get that defensive line off of him? Throw a screen pass. Right. I mean, just run the football. It was horrible. Cleveland loses that game because their quarterback is playing scared and their and the Steelers defense scores two touchdowns. That's just ridiculous. That's coaching. That's that quarterback is bad. I know that the Browns looked at the Deshaun Watson thing and said, hey, it's our chance to get a franchise quarterback. But he doesn't look right. I don't know what it is. Maybe he gets fixed. I don't know. But he hasn't been right since he came back. Um, and I don't know what's going to be done to help him at this point. Is there an issue, Bo, of too much time away from football? I mean, he, you know, sat what was, you know, the entire season during that investigation and then was suspended, what was it, 11, 12 games last year? Like, that was a long time between snaps. Is is that a, a big factor, you think? He can be. And so it's like, well, what do you do? I mean, it's I, I look at it now and I go, well, give me he's gonna he has to be eased back into this at some point, but they're awful. And I don't know that they can fix this. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, I, th- I think they're in deep trouble for sure. Uh, meanwhile, uh, want to ask you about the uh, the Bears situation. Steve, speaking of teams that are in trouble here, um, you know they they lose their DC this week. Justin Fields has not looked good. They're sitting at zero and two. Uh, you know questions about Matt Eberflus, their head coach. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I thought the Bears would be improved. I thought Justin Fields would take a big step forward, and uh, they, they they don't even look close to that right now. Like they're they are closer to replacing Justin Fields than they are to bringing him back next year right now. Yeah, let's let's do this. As we're recording, I don't know much about the defensive coordinator position. Right, right. I've heard some rumors, but I don't know, and I haven't looked at anything yet. I've been been working all day, uh, so I'm not gonna, I'm not going to address any of that. Uh, obviously, that's a big change. I do want to talk about Justin Fields and because I was one of the people that thought he would be taking a big step forward this year. Right. He is clearly not. 
Now, the question becomes, is this a Justin Fields problem or is this the coaching staff? This is now year year three. What do you do with Justin? Now, I think some of the blame has to go both ways here. Yes. I don't think it's one or the other. Justin Fields and and the Bears kind of recommitted to him this offseason when they traded away the number one pick. They could have gone and got Bryce Young and traded Justin Fields. They decided not to and said, hey, we'll take, we'll drop down. They dropped down, get a pick. DJ Moore, yeah. Yeah, they did some some good stuff. But this is not good. And Justin Fields has not been good. I look at this now and I think, well, this is not a good marriage. I don't see Justin Fields lasting in Chicago past this season unless something miraculous happens in the next few weeks. I watched the game against Tampa. I was watching all those morning games all at the same time. And, boy, he didn't look good in the pocket. He didn't look confident in the pocket. He was wearing the defensive lineman on like, 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 a, like a uniform. Um, as athletic as he is, he still can't get away from pressure when there's that much of it. But at the same time, he's not improved his reads. He's not improved what he's doing offensively pre-snap. I'm I'm befuddled by what's going on there. I do think that a change of location will be good for Justin Fields when it's all said and done. I think that right now he needs to go somewhere and get out of Chicago, and the Bears need to move on to somebody else. And it's hard to say that two weeks into the season, but that's not a marriage that's going to last them. You can just tell. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's pretty obvious for sure. Yeah. Uh, Bo, a couple more headlines around the NFL. The Vikings getting aggressive uh, this week, signing Dalton Reisner, uh, who was a four-year starter with the Broncos at the guard spot. Uh, they signed him as free agency. They needed help at guard. And then the trade for Cam Akers, you know, we were told that they didn't want to pay Dalvin Cook. They felt all so confident in Alexander Madsen to get the job done that they really liked Madsen and their run game. And now here they are bringing in Cam Akers, not only just two weeks into the season like that. They're 0-2. Uh, a lot of pressure on O'Connell, that coaching staff. Cousins, last year, his contract, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of going all out here because uh, this could pretty well unfold pretty fast. If I were the Vikings, I would be on the phone with the Jets every single day. And I would say, give us anything and take Kirk Cousins off our hands. I have a saying about Kirk Cousins. I know you've heard me say this. I'm going to say it on here for the first time. Every time Kirk Cousins cashes a paycheck, he is stealing money. He is not playing well. He's not the only issue. But they're not going to improve with him as their quarterback now. They're not going to be successful this year. They have the best wide receiver in the league. And that is the only person that apparently Kirk Cousins can throw to. I would move Kirk Cousins, figure out anything quarterback for the rest of this season, and give this coaching staff an opportunity to figure out where they can go on from there. I mean, I I wholeheartedly agree with you, but Bo, I'd be shocked if that happens because 
Didn't you essentially double down on your bet by bringing in Reisner and trading for the Vikings? I think so. And I think it's only going to get worse for the Vikings by doing that. I, I just, I, it's, they're not a good team. Um, and a lot of it is that guy's pulling the trigger. Look, their next three games, they have the Chargers, who's back up against the wall now. They have the Panthers, who I know lost on Monday night. But I got to tell you, that's an improving team. That's a team no one's going to want to play week 12 through 17. And then they play the Chiefs. They do have to play the Bears with the Vikings. They play the, they play the Bears. And then their next three are 49ers at the Packers and at Atlanta. Those are three losses. This team has got to win this week. And if they don't, then they could easily be sitting at 0-5. And let's give them the Bears game. That puts them at 1-5. You then lose three more in a row. They're sitting at 1-8. If I'm the Vikings, it's full-on tank mode. Let them all go. Let's get in this. Let's get in here and let's see if we can go get that. Go get Caleb Williams. Uh, let's tank this sucker. I mean, it's they're bad. And they're bad in a lot of important positions. Go ahead and extend Justin Jefferson and give him his money. He's part of your team in the future. He is your team in the future. Get Kirk Cousins out of here. Figure out what you want to do at the quarterback position. It won't look like you're tanking if you get a new quarterback. And go from there. I mean, that's they they try there. This is now like this is like the gambler who made a really poor bet with the running back situation they've gone through, letting Dalvin Cook go, and then going, oh, shit, we could have used him. Now let me get some insurance. You know, it's, yeah, they saw the ace on the board against them on the, on the blackjack table, and now they're trying to buy insurance on the 19. That's, no, you've lost. Take your L and go home. Last NFL note, then we'll move on to college football here uh, that uh, I want to get to. Chandler Jones uh, placed on the non-football illness list for the Raiders. And what a bizarre situation with Chandler Jones. I know there's been concerns about his mental health um, with, you know, some erratic behavior and, and you know, some posts on social media and, you know, he was represent, you know, referencing somebody about molestation the other day and all this. I mean, just bizarre stuff going on here. Um, the Raiders, you know, they have their own issues they're dealing with and everything. But this just adds to it. They've invested a lot in Chandler Jones. And, and you know, I, I, I look at it, Bo, and if, if Chandler's going to have these issues, like, I don't think it's just the Raiders – not playing him and all that. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to trade him. Anyone else will be able to want him and, and take on this. Like, I mean, not to, you know, be insulting or anything, but it, it feels very similar to what Antonio Brown went through. Yeah. And I don't, again, I, I'm not going to make a light of any mental right. health issues. Right. But what I will say at the same time is, yeah, no team's going to take that on right now. So let's hope the Raiders will do the right thing, help Chandler Jones, get him what the help he needs. And if his return comes, then his return comes. But I, I want to see. He had a great year last year too. Yeah. I want to see him healthy and happy and able to play. And 
I just want to see the Raiders do the right thing and help him. I don't want to speculate to what's wrong with him. I don't know. I'm not a mental health advocate. I don't know those kind of things. But let's get him the help he needs. Let's help him out and go from there. Maybe this is a point where if you can get in there and help him, you help him in a way that you don't end up with an Antonio Brown situation. You know, so let's see what happens. But I, it, it's difficult for me to jump a whole lot into that more than just say I got a lot of empathy for him and let's help this young man out. Yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. The college side now. Uh, let's start with Coach Prime in Colorado. Three zero win, dramatic fashion. Uh, over nine million people watched that game at two o'clock in the morning Eastern Time. Was the most watched college football game on ESPN this year. All the celebrities were there. They were big favorites. Um, we know about the back and forth between him and Jay Norvell. Uh, you know, leading up to that game and everything, and and they just delivered a classic overtime and all that. Um, I mean, w- what an incredible environment! And uh, for Colorado, I, I'm wondering if you know the stage is getting big around them. I mean, one minute they're on game day, another minute they're on 60 minutes and all that. Um, but it, it, it seems like Bo. Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter, these guys, like, they're just embracing everything that's been thrown out of them pretty quickly here. I've been very impressed with how they've handled all uh, the attention here, all the spotlight on that program. I think that the – I think Coach Prime, and I'm going to call him Coach Prime. I'm going to respect it and call him Coach Prime. I love what he's doing. I love it. He's not going to win every week. I think go back to the game this past week against Colorado State. I thought Norvell had a really, really solid game plan. He looked at the team and said, okay, they flipped practically this entire team. So what are the two places? What's the one place you can attack an offense where they probably can't improve quickly? To me, that's the interior of the offensive line between the guards and the second. Because you can get two big-ass tackles, and all of a sudden you're going to be able to stop some pass rushes. All of the pass rush came up the middle. It was up the middle. It was different looks and putting Shadur Sanders in a situation he hadn't seen a lot of those looks at Jackson State in high school, just things you haven't seen. And they came from every angle, but they all came through the middle, through the A and the B gaps. And that pressure kept coming. It changed how Colorado was going to call the game. It also helped against the run game. On the flip side, you look at a defense and you go, okay, we know how talented uh, Travis Hunter is. We ain't throwing his way. We know they're talented up front. They're going to get after our quarterback. Where are they not as talented? Where is it that we can take advantage of a player who's just not experienced? And that's middle linebacker, the middle of the field all the crossing patterns, all the mesh plays. It's confusion. It created a lot of confusion. And that was where a lot of those points came on the board for Colorado State, where a lot of first downs came from. I thought it was a great offensive and defensive game plan. If nothing else, it was going to keep them in the game. Now, Norvell, again, they killed. They did an incredible job on their end. you got to give prime a ton of credit as well 
because they could have folded their tents and said, you know what, they got us. They didn't. And they knew they had superior players, and they knew they kept going and kept going. You keep punching, eventually you're going to land a knockout punch. And late in the game, they get down there, they drive, boom, the tie game, we're going to overtime. And then in the overtime, score, okay. Colorado State, to their credit, stick with their offensive plan. It was it worked. Boom. We got a tie game. We're going to second overtime. Colorado gets the ball, goes straight down, a couple big plays. Sanders made a couple of fantastic plays. You get the catch, got the two, you get the two-point conversion. Now it's all on Colorado State. Not only do you have to get the touchdown, you got to get the two to go with it. And then is when Colorado decided, okay, now we're going to throw some shit at you with the pass rush you haven't seen yet. I think some of that was stuff they created on the spot. I think their coaching staff did a fantastic job late in the game. It was a great game. That's the reason why college football is so much fun, that rivalry situation. Colorado and Colorado State, let's go back 12 months did anyone care about Colorado and Colorado State? No. And now it was the highest rated game on ESPN this season. Bigger than Alabama, Texas, too. Yeah. It's, yeah. Fantastic. I was talking all week. I've been talking to people who have been saying, I mean, people who aren't even real football fans who have been saying, oh my God, I, can't, I, watched, I stayed up and watched that game. I was so excited. And there was so much hype. I mean, with, well, I mean, it's, I was reading today about how uh, Coach Prime is his name, the brand is as big of a value as Ohio State and Michigan are. I mean, like, that's that's what he's developed here and got so many people invested in, you know, uh, in, in college football, every now and then we see a a movement of some sorts, if you want to call it that, you know, like the Johnny Menzel era in, you know, there in, in uh college station, Cam Newton at Auburn, Tim Tebow at Florida, you know, the, the USC, Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart days. Yeah. Like there is, there are times in this sport when we see these popularity movements of some sorts where they grab the nation's attention and, the thing that's different about this compared to the others, Bo, is, I mean, Coach Prime, Dion's going to be there for a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Players come and go. Dion's going to do his thing there at, at Colorado for for a while, and and maybe another school down the road or something eventually. But uh, this has staying power. I mean, if yeah. if if he would have been there last year. The Pac-12 probably would have survived. I mean, that's how big of an impact. That's how much he brings to the table here. And uh, I'm sure the Big 12 and others are just licking their chops at uh, his arrival next year. Yeah. I mean, look, we've been talking about the Big 12 next year needs an alpha dog. They got one. It's Prime. It's Coach Prime. It's the Buffaloes. And he walks in immediately as the face of the whole league. And they're going to only get better. They're going to only get better from here. It's They're going to recruit better. Now everyone's going to want to play for them. And they're going to get their pick of a lot of a lot of these great young players. It's only going to get better. He, uh, Dion has put together a 
a, a coaching staff of experienced guys. And Deion said, I'll be the, I'll be the, you know, he can be the lightning rod. He doesn't care if you like him or not. But he has done that since he was in college. He didn't care if you liked him or not. And I just, I respect that so much. And because he doesn't mind playing the villain and he's the hero at the same time. I was very impressed on the sideline watching him this week in his calm demeanor throughout the game. He doesn't get high. He doesn't get low. When things don't go their way, he still, uh, there was a play. It wasn't one, it wasn't his son. Another, one of the offensive players makes some stable, um fumbled. One of the fumbles. The fumble, the kid comes over to the sideline, Dion gets him and hugs him. You know, a lot of coaches will, you know, go to him and say, don't worry about it. We're going to make this happen. You know, they kind of don't talk to him. Dion's not afraid to say, hug a kid. Hey, we got you. You know, whatever it is. I, I'm super impressed. And there's some people who aren't going to like it. They're not going to like his demeanor. They're not going to like the flash. The, the the glasses and the cowboy hat and and everything that's going to go with prime time, with Coach Prime. But that's okay to me. In, in the college football, you have to have a brand. The last 15 years, coaching-wise, we've only had one successful brand, and that's Nick Saban. It's a whole different animal. What Dion is, what Coach Prime is, and I'm not saying he's Nick Saban level good. I mean, I think Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. But he's a, he's a, he's a really good coach who knows what he's doing, will be the lightning rod for the program, and he's able to recruit during the NIL times. That's going to be very difficult to beat. He's accepting of what's going on with NIL. I, I could not be more happy for Deion, for, for Deion Sanders, for those kids, and for the Colorado program. They've made me a fan. I'm going to watch them as much as I can. Now, Colorado's got some trouble coming up on their schedule. Uh, they are a good team. They're not a great team. They're, gonna, they're about to get hit in the mouth. They are going to have a rough game this week with Art. Now, let's keep in mind, the cupboard came in, he came into, the Coach Prime came into, was Bear. A team that won one game last year. He's already won three. The next two, Oregon and then USC. Have you seen yet the time for the USC game? Uh, next week? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a big noon game, yeah. It's the big noon game, which is a, it's going to be 10 a.m. local time in Colorado. Which they did that for the Nebraska game a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's just that's crazy. I do think Colorado's going to lose the next two games, and they're going to be sitting there three and two. People are going to think, "Well, that was a fad," but they have a chance to then win it. I mean, they do. They have a legit chance. They're going to beat Arizona State. I think they'll beat Stanford. Them and UCLA will be uh, just a barn burner of offensive points. Yeah, Oregon State, Arizona. Washington State, Utah. Utah be a tough one to win at Utah. But I'm looking at this week, and I go, okay, this week he's going to have to coach a hell of a game for them to be close with 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 Oregon, at Oregon. But I think they're game. 
The week after is the game I want to watch. I want to see how many re- – this is like a record for most points in a game because USC doesn't play good defense. It, Colorado and USC might be a hundred, might be over 100 points. Bet's the over. I, I'm just – whatever that over is, I'm probably going to slam it. It's going to be ugly, ugly as far as what's going on there. A couple more things to hit. Yes, a couple more things to hit on before we wrap up here. Uh Michigan State has informed Mel Tucker they intend to fire him for cause. Uh, we've heard some rumblings about Chris Kleiman over the weekend already and uh, some other stuff going on there. Uh, what do you make of what's, uh, what's going on at Michigan State and where this uh, this program goes from here? Okay, so. Because on I, the surface level, it feels like that this is an opportunity for Michigan State to get out of that bad contract with Mel Tucker. I think it's exactly what this is. I think Mel Tucker knows that too. This is going to get ugly. No. So you and I traded some texts. I heard the thing on Chris Kleiman this week that Chris Kleiman was been talking to Michigan State. There is a deal in place, but not signed. He was going from Columbia, supposedly to East Lansing. Uh, then someone tried to say, no, he's going to Lansing, Kansas. There's no fucking airports in Lansing, Kansas. Um, what we're going to see is. I think we'll see an interim coach, probably someone from the staff. This is going to get interim, yeah. Yeah, this is going to get ugly because Tucker's not going to go away, nor should he. I've been reading more about this, and I've been I heard now Tucker's side. I don't know what happened to you two people there. I get it. I don't know. But what I will say is that information's been sitting with Michigan State, and they've been investigating since January. And it wasn't until she went public they made a decision to suspend Mel Tucker. Right. And it tells me that what they actually think at Michigan State is he may not have done this. This may not be the the fireable offense, but we got to get him out of here. We regret that contract. And now they're trying to look for a way to get out with cause. It's, it's exactly like what Mich- what uh, Texas Tech did to Mike Leach. Yeah, this is going to get ugly, and they're going to have to settle that. And then it becomes, well, what coach is going to want to go in there after they had this ugly thing with the coach when they have a regret on the, on the contract, whether that's Chris Kleinman or anyone else? And you think, okay, well, yeah, they're going to pay you more than you've made anywhere else. Same time, you want to deal with these headaches? And – Will the university make a settlement with Tucker of some kind? You know, say, hey, let's avoid the courts and let's make let's settle this out of court somehow. And then are they going to be willing to put enough money behind them to get a coach to pay what they've already been set a precedent for themselves on how much they're paying Tucker? So this is going to be a bad situation all around. I want to see how it goes. It's going to be a real hard situation to find a coach here. If it is Chris Kleineman, good luck to you, sir. Um, but I'm not sure that's going to even happen now, just given the situation this week of Tucker saying, I'm not, I'm fighting this. And right. I probably, I probably, look, if you're going to fire me from a $70 million contract, and again, I don't know all the particulars from his point of view, but I do know that you've been investigating me for eight months. And now you're going to say something? That's not 
that's not what this is about. Right. It's not something that you have you have buyers rumors. Right. That's what this is. This is buyers rumors. Um last thing when wind on this. Um Alabama, we talked about earlier in our picks, uh got some big quarterback issues. They're going back to Milrow. If if they don't figure this quarterback thing out, if Milrow struggles or if they go back to Buckner and he doesn't play well, whatever it may be, if if they are what they are, how bad can it get for Alabama? What is the the floor for them, you think? Well, they're still gonna be a nine or ten win team, regardless. They're Alabama. Which would be for them, that would be for hell. Then that's disastrous. But at the same time, that's you know really good for everybody else. Look, uh Steve Spurrier once said, and I did this as a coach. I love this as a coach. If you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. They don't have one. They they got three. They don't like any of them, apparently. Um, So now where you're at with Bama is like, okay, well, what is the deal with Nick Saban? Where are we going to be going forward? I think the part of it we've got here is he doesn't have a quarterback. You know, you've got two quarterbacks, you got none. He's got three, which apparently is none. Um, But he's going to be able to play defense. They're going to run the football. They're going to fix some things. I mean, they're talented. They're, they got four and five star recruits everywhere. And he's the best football coach in the history of football. So, of college football. So, I have a lot of faith that Nick Saban's going to figure this thing out. Um, you asked where could they go? They could go down to 10 wins, but they're still going to win a lot of games. I mean, they're still going to, I think, crush Mississippi. They're still going to beat a few teams. They don't have Georgia during the season. They do have that. They do have LSU. They do benefit that that division is down this year. Yes, they do. And, and LSU, you know, already lost the game to Florida State. They look a little better the last two weeks. We'll see what happens there. But Mississippi, Mississippi State are both pretty bad. A&M's not very good. You know, it does help. I got a text from my brother this past week. He was watching some of the Alabama game early. And he said, is it just me or does it look like Nick, Nick Saban's kind of walking through this? He said, do you think Nick Saban's going to retire? And I said, well, I thought he was going to retire last year. Um, I thought he was trying to make that one last run with Bryce Young and it'd be done. But, you know, he bought his $15 million, you know, mansion on the beach in Florida. I don't think he likes recruiting in the NIL. He's doing I, a whole lot more media right now, too. He's on McAfee every week. Like, yeah, so I, I, I getting don't, ready for that TV career. I think so, too. I think this might be it for him. I also will say on the quarterback thing, I think deep down he thought he was going to get uh, Arch Manning. I know they weren't one of the last two to three finalists, but I think he thought he was going to – I think he put a lot in trying to get Arch Manning and thinking that that was going to be his next guy. And if you look what Alabama's done, it's pretty amazing at quarterback. When you think of Bryce Young, Max um, – um, Patriots quarterback, Mac Jones, Mac Jones – um, Tua and Jalen are his last four quarterbacks. All first round picks, all starters in the, in the NFL, all franchise quarterbacks. Now you look at that and you go, well, he doesn't have a franchise NFL quarterback on these three. No, he doesn't. But before those four, he never did either. You know, Greg McElroy was not an NFL guy. You know, some of the other players that he had a quarterback were not that level. This is going to be a little more like the early Saban era that may not work for 13 wins in a national championship in this era. 
especially when you have to go through Georgia at the end, and in, 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 at the end of the SEC. But he's going to figure something out and go from here. I, I just don't. I would not bet against Nick Saban. Let's just put it out there like that. Yeah. Uh, but we got to go uh, before we do. What's uh, what's on the podcast this week? Okay, we just recorded. We'll be out soon. Uncle Rico and I hit all of uh, week two of the NFL. What we did, we broke down all the two and O and O and two teams, and said, "Can you uh, can you believe that all the, like we have the majority of the two and O teams are in two divisions in the NFC? You know, we knew that parity was coming, but this is ridiculous. And then we talk about who's actually good of the two and O teams and who's a fraud. And we were, I mean, we are in New Orleans as a fraud. Um, but then the 0-2 teams, can someone make it out of there at 0-2 to the playoffs? And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then some of the things we've seen, we also feature two teams this week that we see are doing things the right way, and they're not good or not strong now, but they're going to be teams come week 12 and 13 you don't want on your schedule. And there are teams who are going to play spoiler to some really good teams late in the season. And we talked a couple on a couple of those. Looking forward to it. Bo, uh, appreciate the time as always, my friend. And I will catch up with you next week. And thank you, Tyler. Talk to you next week. Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fullery story of the week. And folks, I can tell you this right now. We've been doing this Tom Fullery segment for, gosh, I don't know how long, four, five, six years, something like that. Uh, since we began, it originally began as the garbage time segment. And then I said, you know what? Tom Fullery sounds better. Uh, and this is going to be, maybe I'm hyping this up too much, but I have a feeling this will be <laughs> one of the most memorable Tom Fullery segments in the history of this show. Tom, take it away. Uh, I always ask you where we're going to this time. We don't have to go very far at all. Uh, we are going straight to my iPhone. And, and Jones, you know, uh, this this is definitely was not on my bucket list by any means. Huh. Um, but if you wanted to cross off something, if I wanted to cross off something off my bucket list, my non-bucket list, this would have been one of them. Me and Donald Trump now have something in common, um, unfortunately, and that is being suspended by Twitter or now X. So as most of you know, Oklahoma State got the shit beat out of them last week by South Alabama. Thankfully, during the game, I was DJing and actually earning a paycheck, unlike Casey Dunn, who was stealing one. Um, I was earning my money, and then I went to my sister's birthday dinner um, at a hibachi grill that was pretty, pretty actually really good. Uh, Tokyo Garden, shout out to them in Tulsa. Um, I even had sushi. Um, and it was a lot more tasteful than the Oklahoma State offense has been for the past three weeks. So, anyway, I I was drinking at the brewery that I was DJing at, and then I got to the Tokyo Garden, and I started knocking out the sake bombs, and I was oh, drinking Sephora. And, you know, it's funny, my dad, it's the first time he's ever had sake, and he goes, damn, this tastes like uh, you know, some he goes, he said some shit like this tastes like some whiskey that's been sitting in the back of the hot sun in the car all day. 
That'd be I thought, I thought, well, you're not wrong. Um, and overall, that was a great experience. But being a fan of Oklahoma State this past weekend was not. So I was a little, you know, and I've went on rants before on Twitter and never had anything happen. So cue my, uh, you know, shocked, dumbfounded face when I couldn't post the next bullshit tweet. Um, went on a, I went on a, went on a little Twitter rant and I had said the first tweet out of the gate was, and I, I mentioned the Oklahoma state athletic director, Chad Weiberg. And I mentioned Casey, Dr. Casey Shrum, who is the president of Oklahoma state. I said, man, sure. Glad I didn't buy season tickets this season. Mentioned them. I went and followed it up with another tweet that someone had I quoted another person that said something about fire Mike Gundy and then I said fire at coach Gundy and then another tweet that said something about Gundy and I again put at fire coach Gundy and then the next tweet was um was listen some things have changed Oklahoma State I can read you the one I didn't delete because the story has a happy ending. Thank God. Um, Reagan Harris from an Oklahoma State Twitter account said, I just can't wrap my head around being a play away from the playoffs. We have a logo too, and one of the best defensive coordinators in the country to be getting slaughtered at home by a Sunbelt team two seasons later. This is 100% a coaching staff who let players go, refused to change, and failed to take advantage by keeping what made you successful. Quoted it, saying, fire Mike Gundy. I went on to say, I hate OU, but I love what Bob Stoops has to say about OU. No one is bigger than the program. Gundy has tried to defy that statement, and Oklahoma State has suffered because of it. Most recent example is tonight, and nepotism between his son and Casey Dunn is evident. Time for change at Oklahoma State. I then went on to get myself suspended by saying, if Gundy doesn't want to change or fire, you know, pretty much fire Casey Dunn or make the necessary changes to, like, fire Charlie Dickey and that bullshit offensive line staff and Casey Dunn, if he wants to be, you know, hear a little bit of conspiracy and say that Ollie Gordon the top tier OSU running back is only getting play when Gunnar Gundy is in to make Mike Gundy's son look better. So he can be the starting quarterback without controversy is, is a little bit of conspiracy. I've mentioned that, but I pretty much just said, Hey, it's time to kick Gundy's ass to the curb. And those were my words. It's time to kick his ass to the curb. And I followed those tweets up mentioning Casey Dunn. And I said, Casey Dunn should be tarred and feathered and run out of town. Yikes. And I think that one got, I think that was the, I think that was the nail in the coffin there for me. I tried to follow it up with another tweet of like, um, I, I don't even know if I want to say it on the show. I probably follow, I probably tried to follow it up with another tweet. I was socky bombed out and, a couple beers deep at the Tabachi restaurant. But I saw the final score and I probably just said, hey, take him out back and get rid of him old yeller style or something like that. Um, Lord. Which, 
if you've never seen Old Yeller, they take the dog out back and shoot it. You just um, the whole movie, but yes. <laughs> he's got rabies, okay? He needs to be took out back and shot. No, I mean, that's horrible. But I was pissed. And I guarantee you there's some people that have said a lot worse. Um, now, you said that about Gundy or Casey Dunn? No, Casey Dunn. But Gundy can go along with him. We can, you know, we can tar and feather him. I don't, you know, you don't die from a tar and feathering. You just Yikes. have to take a long, you have, just have to take a long, hot shower and, uh, you know, maybe get a lint roller or something. But said that, I, I tried to send another tweet. It was like, this tweet cannot be sent. I was like, what's going on with Twitter? You know, drunk as shit. And I was like, fuck Oklahoma State. Like, this is trash. Like, the program's trash. We're done. And then I got a notification that was like, your account has been permanently banned. And I was like, no. I was like, no way, dude. I didn't even get like a 24-hour suspension or like a 30-day suspension. They just said, no, this guy's a danger to America. We're banning him. He's going to tar and feather a man. Fuck yeah, we're going to tar and feather him. He fucking makes uh, almost a million dollars a year. I'll buy the tar and the feathers myself. Like, hell yeah, we're going to tar and feather his ass. He's a piece of shit. He needs to be fucking drug out back, shot like old yeller, and run out of town. He's Casey Dunn is a, a, a detriment to Oklahoma State football program as a whole. He's stealing a paycheck. Mike Gundy's stealing a paycheck. Charlie Dickey's stealing a paycheck. Chai, Chai, Chad Weiberg's a pussy. Um, Casey Schramm is... Is not, I mean, her husband even said it last season that Gundy was pretty much stealing a paycheck. She had to calm him down. Uh, Gundy's past his prime. He's, out, he's outstayed his welcome. Uh, it's one of the most embarrassing performances for Oklahoma State football that I've seen since I've been a fan. There's my Billy Donovan rant uh, of the week. All that being said, and jokes aside, I did just get my Twitter account reinstated. Um, after I submitted a pill and said, Hey, I've never broken the rules before. Um, that was a drunk rant and that's true. But what do they say about drunk, you know, drunk rants, Jones, they say drunk words are sober thoughts. And I've never heard a more true statement. So yeah, Gundy needs to be fired. And if Gundy doesn't want to fire Don, they could take him out of town. If Chad Weiberg doesn't want to do the job, then you know what? Mike Holder back, and he'll get the job done. He always wanted to fire Mike Gundy. T Boone did too. At, at, at this point. At this point, T Boone's rolling in his grave, and you know what? I'll tell you what. Mike Boykin uh, is really not doing that great of a job for OSU basketball. So I wonder if he can coach football any better than he can coach that basketball team. So I'm ready to wipe house in Stillwater. Um, Maybe I, is that overreaction Wednesday when we're taping this, or Jones, or am I halfway wrong? Um, so there's lots to unpack there. Uh, there, that's a lot. That's a that's a Christmas morning at a rich person's house. Yeah, that is. Um, let, let, let me ask you. I, I got a few questions. Uh, for you, for, first and foremost, um, when you found out that you had been permanently banned from Twitter. Uh, were you, were you pissed off? Like, were you sad? I was more, I was like, more ashamed. You were ashamed. Like, did, did your time away from Twitter, like, 
did, was that was that a painful occurrence? Like I can't even be on the app here. No, it wasn't really a rehab. I created a new Twitter account that I di- I didn't even post on or didn't even do anything with. I was kind of like, well, if I'm permanently banned, then that's fine because Twitter's kind of went kind of Twitter's kind of went downhill. But I will say here, I'll read the reinstatement email. And Twitter came correct, and they realized that Mike Gundy was a piece of shit. They said, hello, our support team has reviewed your account and appears we made an error. We've determined there was no violation and have restored your account to full functionality. We sincerely apologize for any inconvenience and appreciate you taking the time to submit your appeal request to us. So maybe Mike Gundy pissed someone off at Twitter, too, or X, or maybe Elon Musk is a pro-fire Mike Gundy uh, social media account. Um, here's the next thing I want to know. Um, do you think somebody at OSU reported you to Twitter for your tweets? Do you think that caught wind to OSU and, and, and they were the ones that had your account suspended? I bet it was probably Casey Dunn, honestly. Um, knowing him, he probably spends more time on Twitter than he does in the film room. (laughs) He doesn't tweet anything, but. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is funny though. Um, Brendan Presley is dating Casey Dunn's daughter. Really? So, oh yeah. So it's like, okay, if you fire Casey Dunn and he leaves, he'll probably tell his daughter to tell Brennan like, Hey, you need to come over here and transfer to fucking Nevada or whatever bullshit college you'll go to and ruin next. That's something. I, I did not know this. Uh, I mean, if, if OSU ever heard my disrespect towards Casey Dunn, they'd never let me step foot in the media room there again, and that's okay, because I think if I if I had a good time on the strip in Stillwater and Casey Dunn was there or said something or confronted me about my statements, I wouldn't be afraid to probably say that, hey, man, you're stealing a paycheck, you're making almost a million dollars a year, and you can't beat South Alabama. I wouldn't be afraid to say that. Like, if you're bad at your job, you're bad at your job. Like, and it hasn't been one game. It's been, like, three seasons. So, like, Lincoln Riley this week took some heat for having a reporter's uh, credential suspended for two weeks uh, for violating some unknown rules uh, within their coverage. Uh, But you know what? I'll I'll say this. Like, as stupid as that is and and unexcusable from Lincoln Riley – I mean, the guy's been winning football games. Like, he's got some sway of some sorts. Like, you know, it, it's so petty the way you were treated more than likely by Oklahoma State people, and they have no backbone to stand on. They they have no results to speak for. 33-7 to seven to South Alabama. South Alabama. Like you deserve not- all the smoke when you lose 33-7 to seven to South Alabama. At home in front of a sellout crowd. Right. And and I'm not even the only one. If you looked at if you go to Cowboy Football on Instagram and you look at any of their last posts, people are like, "Bro, stop posting! Like we're still pissed. Like this was not good. Like they were like they posted something about like oh all the tailgaters outside and someone said, well, can't lose the tailgate, so I guess that's good. <laughs> like I mean they were getting roasted." 
on on Instagram, and rightfully so. It's like, hey, you're a Power Five program. How much money did OSU pay South Alabama to come to Stillwater? Oh, like, yeah. probably a decent chunk of change. And then they, like, it wasn't a close game. It wasn't a fluke Hail Mary you got beat on. OSU didn't score until, I think, the fourth quarter. Right. Like, when I when I say that is maybe one of the most embarrassing OSU performances in since probably 2007, I'm not lying. Like, any other university, if that happened, if South Alabama went into Norman and beat them 33-7, to someone's getting fired. Right. Like, you have to hold somebody accountable. Like, you don't – you know, it's kind of like um, – I don't know. It's kind of like the Titanic, man. Like, whoever built the Titanic and said it was, like, the most indestructible ship or it was the best invention – you know, one of the uh, – um, a God thing of engineering architecture, whatever they said about it. It was just the most awesome thing in the whole wide world. Then it sunk and killed a bunch of people. Well, somebody that wasn't on that boat that designed that boat probably got fired or someone that was ahead of that ship. They got a lot of people killed and got back on a lifeboat probably was fired or they probably Uh, never built a boat again. Let me ask you one, one more thing. Then we'll wrap up on this. Uh, what was the worst feeling, the loss or getting your Twitter banned? Well, considering my Twitter just got reinstated at the time, and there's at the oh, time. at the at the time, I just kind of was like, you know what? I think the loss is still worse, honestly, because I was I was like, you know what? I'm if Casey Dunn doesn't get fired for a week, and and me getting my Twitter banned or perma- supposedly permanently suspended. Um, I was ready to go down as a martyr for Oklahoma State football. If if me losing my Twitter account got Casey Dunn fired, I'll lose it again this week. Yeah. Um and if and, and it might it might happen. We we go in we go into Ames this week and get that ass whooped. Thirty three to seven, that would be kind of uh that'd be one of those That'd be one of those God numbers. I, ho- I hope OSU does lose 30-37 because it's kind of like the Bruce Weber thing. OSU is in Bruce Weber territory right now. I could go vomit. It's going to take a, another bad loss for OSU to fire. They're in Neil Brown, Bruce Weber territory. I'm honestly surprised that uh, Kale was not hired to the coaching staff this year. I think they – do you think they offered him? I don't know. As incompetent as they've been in the past couple of seasons, they probably didn't even they probably didn't ask him if he was interested. I mean, I, I've seen photos and stuff of him hanging out around the facility and everything. Uh, and his daughter, hello. His daughter, Cat Gundy, like meow. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yes. I'll tell you what, I'd rather even have Cat Gundy coaching this team. We can just swap one Gundy for the other. We can fire Mike and hire Kel. I'm on board for that. OBJ? Uh, we're not doing the no BJ on that one, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you've seen it. You're not even an OSU guy. Mike's gotten complacent or, like you said earlier, past his peak. It's He's, he's, he's very much in 
he's in two circles right now in my book. He's he's in the Neil Brown circle where we can't fire him. Like if if he somehow if he doesn't win another game but somehow pulls Bedlam out of his ass, he's gonna stay for the next until he dies on the field if we beat OU. Like in the last Bedlam for the next decade. Like he'll he'll be there until they call the corner. But damn it. I mean, at this point, Jones, from what I've seen, OU, OSU, the final bedlam for probably a decade is going to be like watching a public execution on TV. And it's going to be horrible. Be, I mean, Gundy is so stubborn and stuck in his ways and says, oh, well, you know, all these quarterbacks are so close together. Bullshit. You know, they say if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Well, if you have three quarterbacks – well, then you might as well just not even have a football team at this point because it's incompetency, complacency, procrastination. It's like they didn't have a spring game, and I'm like, okay, well, they didn't have a spring game because they said that they were making renovations to the stadium. Was it that, or was it just because they didn't do anything in the offseason at all but just hang out? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, Jones. I don't know. I hope – I I've part of me because of the Neil Brown situation. Um, you know, they say all the greats go out as drunks. Maybe Gundy gets a DUI like um, Huggy Bear and maybe we can go that route. Maybe he'll get a DUI and fall asleep in the Whataburger uh, drive through line. One could hope. On that note, uh, we will get out of here. Uh, big thanks uh, for the content to Mike Gundy, Casey Dunn, and Elon Musk. Um, uh, and big thanks to coach Bo for stopping by, uh, Bryson Stricker as well. And a uh, you, the listener for joining us, make sure to subscribe to the Jones Sport. new episodes out each and every week, Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit us up on social media. You can follow Tom on Twitter. I'm on- back. He's back, baby. Thomas underscore bridges. Uh, you can for, now. for now, for <laughs> now. We'll check back uh, how things go in the Iowa State game. Uh, Studio Soapbox House on Twitter, Studio underscore uh, Soapbox, Tyler Jones Live, Facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Instant Thomas, Tyler Jones Live. You can find us there. And when Tom's uh, X account gets deleted again, then just go over to IG and follow him on that blog. Fourth time. And our entire crew with Tyler Jones thinks so long. It's been another distant Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.